Straw Callan. I thought you were dead. Sun out of your eyes and be yourself. Heard you were dead. She's dead, wrapped in plastic. That man's dead back then. It was worse than dead. Must be dead. Is this a dead man, Doctor? Good evening, everyone. Welcome back to the Roast Mortem Podcast, the only law firm where we will pay you double what everyone else pays you. Does that make sense? It doesn't. I've been drinking. No, no. I'm Tom. I'm your father's father, Travis Lee. Well, I'm getting paid. I am your laggy Cody for the evening. I'm Mike. In studio again, we're doubling down. We're having Emily Saltman in. Emily, Hello. thanks for joining again. Hey, no problem. Did you get that money I, I sent I, you I, for I. last week? No, I didn't. All right. <laughs> We're all squared away. Cool. Good job. Sounds like the perfect roast mortem payment plan. <laughs> <laughs> Run well, my check. <laughs> I'll pay you double. I think I did law at one point, and now I'm a brother's accountant. I'm a regular old Jacoby and Myers over here. <laughs> I'll put bricks in your backyard. You can't beat that combination. Right? <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, I know you idiots don't like how I when I ask how's your week. Alright. I'm gonna switch it up again. I don't know why you think that, Travis. Cody, you never wanna it. none of you wanna hear what my week is like. That's a different question. Shut, shut I up. never wanna hear what your I'm week not your is. Therapist. I love it when you ask me. I'm not your fucking therapist, Cody. I got an idea. Cody admits to not wanting to hear about it. I'm gonna fuck with him. Travis, how was your week? Ah. He's blushing. I don't, don't want to. Yeah, look, I'm blushing. You're happy though, are you not? Well, it's fine. You know, someone noticed me. You're really sweaty, actually. <laughs> I, uh, <laughs> oh, my week was. Uh, I just edited all week, but I don't want to ask how's the week's going. Mm. I want to ask everyone at this table because I know our our viewers might be interested. They might want to mail us something. What's your favorite mm-hmm. food, Tom? Why do you think food in the mail is a good idea? Yeah, just mail us food. Hot dogs in the mail. It's yeah. a ballpark. Fans. I want to know. What I'm you... doubling down on that. I love hot dogs. So I'm gonna ask for baked beans. Is so... that all right? <laughs> the can has to be opened. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Well, this isn't like this isn't like uh, one of those Santa ringing the bell. Ooh, you want to donate for canned beans? <laughs> yeah, you want to donate a canned bean? Like, no. I want to know individual canned beans. I want to know your favorite food. Don't just tell me ballpark, because ballpark is a terrible hot dog. No, No, it's not. I'm a Sabrat guy. I like Sabrat. I'm a Sabrat. It runs in the jeans. Like a snapper? Which, uh, genetically, I am half weenie, so I like a Sabrat. Oh. All right. Wait, Mike. Yeah. I'm going to ask you something, because you started telling us... A little bit about a story that you heard. Oh, I don't think I can tell it. Oh, right. You have to tell it. I don't know how this story goes. It's pretty disgusting. Let's uh, do you it. You guys are ready tell for me. it? I'm yeah. ready. All right. So my, my friend's been seeing this girl on Tinder, and he was telling me he's, like, not really feeling her. I was like, why? He's like, uh, like, her vagina's really hairy, and it feels like daddy long legs on my dick when I'm having <laughs> sex with her. <laughs> And I was like, what the fuck? <laughs> he's like, but yeah, but I kind of liked it. And I was like, what? <laughs> wow. Daddy, I'm so Daddy long like, He was like, I was kind of about it, and then I really thought about it, and it really was kind of gross. There is nothing wrong with hair. It means you're not screwing yeah, a but child. but the way he described it, like, Daddy long legs <laughs> yeah. on his dick, which yeah. is pretty... Yeah, that's weird. Pretty gross. But 
It's gross that he thought he liked it after affirming that's what it felt like. Told him that. I was like, that's kind of weird. And he kind of got like weirded out about it. He was like, kind of felt like ashamed. Did he feel like he shouldn't have told you that story? Yes, he definitely. <laughs> he definitely should know. Uh, uh, yeah. Now that's going to be published. Uh, yeah. 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 On our podcast, uh, uh, which has a, a fair amount of listeners. That has international yeah, so. listeners. I mean, at least. I hope he doesn't hear that part. Well, he no, I, I mean, at, yeah. <laughs> No, at least he wasn't like, it felt like there was daddy long legs inside of her. Because that would be weird, right? I mean, like... Or, or yeah, inside yeah, of my weird. penis. Yeah, or like, when I busted, it felt like seven daddy long legs coming out! Ah! <laughs> hey, uh, my sister's in the room. Well, you know what? We all have... A, I just taught you about the bird and the bees last time. That's yeah, but true. not about the daddy long legs. <laughs> <laughs> That's my my little story. I, I kind of feel weird telling you guys this. <laughs> That's okay, Mike. It's not you. We're making fun of. It's your friend. I feel good now. <laughs> I'm asking for a friend. I promise, it's my friend. <laughs> All right. So Tommy Tomas, Tommy Tomas, hey, Tommy, Tommy, who's on the choppy boy? All right. Tonight we're going to be talking about a pop art icon, possibly the oh. biggest pop art icon. We're doing Andy Warhol tonight. Uh, yes. Believe it or not. I like Andy Warhol. We just talked about the person who tried to shoot him in the butthole. Uh, she she tried to shoot him in the guts. Well, that's close to the butthole. Yeah, so we thought it would be it fun to follow butthole. up the uh, the tale of last week of Valerie Solanus with the possible motivation and uh, the victim of her so-called uh, doing a bad job at murdering spree. Because <laughs> she was really bad at it. <laughs> no, yeah, but day. he ain't no angel. No. no, no, he's not. He's got a dirty, dirty life. Look, I'm not the kind of guy who's going to say Andy Warhol should have been shot at, but put in jail for the rest of his life? Absolutely. Really? Go for it. Why what? Not? Really? No, he just annoys the shit out of me. He's not like, <laughs> <laughs> I really don't like him. Well, I mean, he Hence likes this soup. Episode. You guys like Campbell's soup? Yeah, as like yeah. a man, as, a, as I call myself a super. Like, not like a, I, I manage a building. I thought I'm were, a super. I thought you were a soupist. Yeah, I'm a super. I like soup. And Andy obviously also likes his warm liquids. So, what's wrong with him? If you really don't know who he is, he's the poster child for pop art. A man whose fame crossed not only into the art world, but the Hollywood world, and all throughout 60s and 70s culture. Almost every aspect of it. Dude, so, ho- like, he made the Hollywood sign. He could have, but he didn't. That's different, dude. He made the meme. That's my bold statement. For wow, the he was the inventor of the meme? Because his work, you could reproduce it, oh. and it was so trendy, he made the meme. Sorry about it. <laughs> oh, well. Next question. Hmm. Wow. I never I never thought of it like <laughs> that. Brain blast. Um, yeah, it's wow, fine. That just hurt, dude. That's why I'm here. <laughs> his memes weren't funny, though. He made so much artwork, but it was all just mediocre and normal. All right, now I see your point. Meme status. Yeah. 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 He brought the commercial art world into the fine art world. And I'm pretty sure that a lot of people, even in the art world today, are not as grateful that he did do that, but are kind of afraid to voice that opinion. Thomas, are you making fun of my oils? (laughs) My oils! (laughs) I've been bathing them for five weeks! I made half of one! What kind of oil is that? It's made out of krill! <laughs> Fresh this krill oil! Out. It's cold pressed krill I've, oil! I've never liked your krill oil. I've never liked your krill pieces. What the fuck? You were a lot better in your clams and hams days. I think you just misunderstood, Travis. Yeah. 
Thanks. It's been a while. <laughs> um, all right, let's roll into this boy. His parents were Ruthenian immigrants. Now, what's up, Ruthenian? Yeah, oh, I'll get it. Fuck. Is that a Dr. Seuss? So Ruthenians, uh, Ruthenians, they're a separate East Slavic ethnicity that's distinct from Russians, Ukrainians, and Belarusians, but they lived in Poland. Not Polish, though. They didn't mm. speak Polish. They they spoke Slavic. Oh, okay. We're so Slavs. Kind of, yeah, kind of like a type of gypsy. Mm. Um, it's a totally not recognized thing today. Ah. And with World War II, just, it's gone. Well, Germany just like kind of just was like, I'll take all this. <laughs> well, like, I they have, I have. Po- they weren't that polite, Travis, but okay, I see what you're <laughs> coming from. <laughs> Well, I have Silesian background, which is also Polish. This is another Polish weird sect. There was a few of those. I mean, this is like an ethnic subgroup would be the best way to describe okay. it. Okay. His parents, Andrzej and Julia, they traveled to America in the early 1900s and settled in a Polish ghetto in Pittsburgh. Andy was born as Andrew Warhalla, August 6th, 1928. In the Steel City, the it- Rust Belt. Uh-huh. What, what do you call pit. Pittsburgh? Dirty pits. Steel City. Yeah, pits. Yeah. The pits. Pit Pittsburgh city. Steelers. I bought my car from Pittsburgh. Did yeah. it smell there? I couldn't drive it back. I didn't know how to drive manual, so my <laughs> friend drove back. <laughs> I learned. That's what you do. You got a good friend who drives your uh, new manual cars. Yeah. All right, so, <laughs> so he's born in 1928, which is great, especially if you want to be poor. <laughs> Especially if you're already extra poor, because economic collapse immediately. Nothing. Yeah. Great depression. So he's a depression baby. So he like you know he just loves depression. Children they love sweets. They yeah. just love sweets. Well, they love sweets, and they also like soups. <laughs> they like to eat, <laughs> yeah. but they really like they the like sweets. cheap. They like cheap and very calorie rich foods. That's just- right. They 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 want to fill up. So uh, Julia yeah. ended up feeding Andy a lot of chocolate. Growing oh, up. chocolate! Yeah, 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 yeah! He was the third of three brothers. And growing up, Andy wasn't like the rough and tumbling kids his brother were. He was kind of... He was sensitive? Yeah, he's sensitive. And like he didn't like sports or climbing trees or child mischief. Like, Let's he didn't... just say the 30s, they were not the depression that ruined Andy's life. Ah-ha-ha. Uh, okay. Oh. Thank you. There we go. Damn. Mm. It's very important to be depressed if you want to be an artist. Exactly. Everyone. If you're not depressed, you're not a fucking artist. Everyone Get our age. You're doing something wrong. Mm-hmm. Everyone our age is a little depressed, <laughs> and we're all artists. We're all artists. Because <laughs> everyone is special. You can be anything you want. <laughs> That's what my dad said. I can be anything I want. I'm going to be an astronaut now. <laughs> Look at me. I'm an astronaut. I'm flying on the moon. <laughs> you're doing great. Thanks. Here's an award. Keep doing it. Yeah. Dude, I love awards. I have so many participation pins and awards and stickers. This one's for participating in Earth. <laughs> yeah. Dude, so he's like, he's winning. Yeah. So uh, he liked to hang out with his mommy, Andy. Mm. He was a mama's boy, always. And Julia would incentivize Andy to draw from a very young age depression-flavored Hershey chocolate bars. <laughs> Depression-flavored? Well, I, I mean, Are you fucking I, with us? No, it's depression flavored is the same recipe they use today because Hershey's chocolate is garbage. <laughs> and it was popularized in the Great Depression with the nickel bars. Oh, I never knew that. Yeah, the nickel bars were like, they used to be giant. 
Remember, a nickel went a long way. Yeah. That was like a night's rent and a whore. Sheesh. Now that was well, a nickel. There's better candy. chocolate out there, though. There's like better. Or, yeah, candy. I like Yeah, candy. there's way better chocolate. <laughs> <laughs> Did you just realize there's other chocolate besides Yeah, they all taste the same, kind of. And, like dark chocolate's different. It's but... not like Aquafina and Dizani. Yeah. It's the like Fiji, <laughs> the Fiji water of chocolates. You still have to prepare it. You no, know? Like, no. Hershey yeah. is not the Fiji water of chocolates. <laughs> have you ever given a Hershey's bar, like an American Hershey's bar, to a Canadian? No. They throw it out, right? That's yeah, they, they freak out. They're like, what I'll is wrong with this? Why does it taste like rust? Because, like, it's Canada depression flavor quality mm. control of their Hershey's chocolate. Well, it feeds my depression. All right. Well, I did a biography about Hershey in ninth, in, in, when I was in, <laughs> when I was in third grade. That's nine years old, I think. <laughs> okay. How'd it and go? you know what? He was he was a man that made chocolate. That's all I know. <laughs> Dude, that's, that's like right. this is roast more. <laughs> this is roast mortem origin stories. <laughs> This is like, yeah. this is what people go to the movies to see. They want to know where, where Wolverine comes from. Of course they do. <laughs> Everyone wants to know where Wolverine comes from. That's why they made it in black and white. So old yeah. people could understand it. I'm saying, so now you know where I learned to read. Bingo. <laughs> I used to think that, like, perfect. Like, uh, black and white was, like, everyday life back then. Oh, I thought that, too. I thought the I whole world was in black oh, and no. white. Oh, no. What's so, wrong yeah. with you? I was one oh, of those. Everyone, too. everyone kind of thought that a little bit. It would be so cool continue. That silent All right. Yeah. You have to read I, cards. <laughs> <laughs> it's a different world. So to continue, Julia, his mother, was a devout Catholic and loved church and God and the body of Christ and all things that came with that territory of being an old-time Catholic Polish woman. So twice a week, she dragged her three children on a three-hour trek, wearing their Sunday best and their depression shoes, to three services in a row. At a time. So that's Why? a lot of church time. This is a three-hour walk to church on Friday nights she likes and Sundays. And they would stay there for about eight hours Ugh. each time. I, my God. I feel like that's something my grandpa would assert, but it's actually true. You know what I mean? Like, like back in my day. Yeah, that was the one non-exaggeration. <laughs> and they had to, like, ham everything else up about it, yeah. about their lives to match the church fucking grueling time. Ugh. Back so, in my day, we went to church and we all had Nordic tracks in our pews. At this time, uh, Catholic masses were really boring. They hyped them up sometime around the 70s, I think. But if you went to, like, a really old-timey Catholic mass, the priest never looked at the... Uh, the audience or whatever the hell church goers yeah. they would like look away and speak most of the church service in latin yeah so everyone's like i don't fucking know yeah, yeah. Oh, so wow. this sucks i always zone out at church uh, yeah, like, I'm at... stare into space and that's with an english-speaking uh priest boy yeah. who's just... trying to entertain it's yeah. awful sometimes <laughs> low quality so all this time andy sitting in church this is obviously not a good thing for a young child who is highly strung out to be thinking about their sins all the time. Mm. It's going to make you a little anxious, you know? Especially if you're not straight. Exactly. Yeah, well, you know, he had uh, that going on. I feel like that's all that Catholicism is. Are you not anxious? Think about your sins. There you go. (laughs) (laughs) It's a little boost up. Yeah, he's super high strung. He was really frail. Uh, He shared no interest with his peers whatsoever. He's a troubled kid. But he always enjoyed hanging out with his mom, and uh, whenever his mom's friends came over to eat borscht, you know, he was he would hang out with the ladies. Did, did his mom put on uh, the My Chemical Romance uh, <laughs> radio on wax? 
The wax oh. radius. Wax radius. Yeah, that's what the they cylinder. put on. Yes, cylinder. exactly. Andy Warhol was so emo. Mm-hmm. <laughs> original emo. Original emo guy. At eight years old, Andy got a bad case of rheumatic fever that, that brought on a touch of that uh, Coria Minor, also known as St. Vitus Dance. Uh-huh. Uh, oh. So if you didn't know that, little Andy dances damn hard out, even though he didn't want to be doing that. <laughs> I oh, hate this. Just moving around. Scrunching, you guys see my arms? Oh hell yeah! <laughs> okay, dude, he's got like doing the octopus. He's got like r- restless leg syndrome all over the body. Yeah, he's doing this shit. He but will- it's rhythmic. Uh, not at all. No, the dance. Oh, uh, Saint Vitus dance. It is you lose all control of your fine motor skills, and then eventually your greater motor skills, and you kind of just wail around for a bit. And it doesn't last forever, but it's kind of fucked up. You know that you can't chill. No, oh, well really? you can chill. You just need to be in a mosh pit, and then people won't notice. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. <laughs> but the mosh pit always ends. You know. Uh, sometimes if you get he's all, at church, was he? Or he does it by himself. He's just doing it all the time. Oh, he's just like dancing by himself. Well, yeah, shit. it's a disease. Oh, I thought it was like a dance. <laughs> <laughs> no, Mike. They call That's it a dance because you're just constantly doing it. Oh, they just uh, like to dance. No, you just look, you're kicking around. You know. I mean, you my my grandmother name. could dance the electric slide all night long. Yeah. So, imagine being forced to do the electric slide all At night random? long. Oh, fuck. All the time. Damn. So this was him when he was eight. He was dealing with this rheumatic fever, so he felt like shit, and he couldn't stop moving. Oh, okay. And it okay. fucked him up. He lost control of the fine motor skills, and he was actually removed from school for dancing, basically. They just couldn't couldn't do it. Uh, in the classroom, just dancing. Yeah, because like, all the other kids would be like, ah, you fucking asshole. You're all it's studying, even... and you're just dancing in the corner. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> The one instance in which he, the teacher asked him to come up to the board and just write like a math problem down. And he's like, whoa, yeah, yeah. here we go. Math, one, <laughs> one plus one equals seven. Yo, I don't even care if I got it wrong, son. Oh. Okay. So all those, like that enthusiasm, but he didn't want that because he was tremendously shy. Okay. Super high anxiety. Kids made fun of him all the time. Oh, anyway, the teacher sucks to make him do that. Yeah, textbook introvert, right? Yeah, and he picks up he picks up the chalk to try to do this, and he just drops the chalk. He can't even write on the board. Like you know, he's he he's got baby Parkinson's. You know, ah, oh, baby Park. So he's in a tra- no no extremely traumatizing event. So he uh, cried his way out of school on that one. And, well, that's sad. And then they removed him from school, and. uh Later on in life, he claimed to have had 15 nervous breakdowns before the age 13. Wow. Wow. See, I, I, I feel like you, that the fact that he remembers the number clearly doesn't mean he actually broke down that hard. Like, oh, that was number 12. Ah. Right. Yeah. Like, I don't know how many baby bells I ate out of anxiety when I was growing up. I can't give you a number because it's a legit response, you right? Know? But if you were an artist, yeah. you might maybe give it a number, right? So the I mean, audience a has ballpark it to like maybe like seven thousand over the like, course of two wow. years. That's like when <laughs> that's a lot of cheese. <laughs> Lindsay Lohan was like, "I only did cocaine ten to fifteen times." <laughs> give me a break. <laughs> can't remember. Yeah, yeah, you can't count how many times you do cocaine. Was it every time you sniff it? <laughs> Do you mean last night? Remember Mrs. Lohan? <laughs> Remember when Letterman asked uh, Charlie Sheen if he was using? And Charlie Sheen was like, yeah, I, I use my toaster. I, 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 I use my computer. What are we talking about? That's why they hired him for cocaine. that show. 
They hired him for two and a half men because he's funny and he's practical. Yeah. Charlie and Sheen. Killer actor. Andy Love is Charlie not Sheen, practical. Yeah. Practical. He is sad boy. Yeah, he's like, oh, I felt sad a lot. 15. Did you guys ever see that thing on like Facebook about like Charlie Sheen moving to like Lindenhurst? No. No. There was like a little thing going around about like trying to get a petition to get him to move there or something like that. Get him to move there? Get or him like to move like to Lindenhurst? Lot, something like that. We can't give homeless people houses, but we're like, well, we'll, we'll, we'll give this millionaire yeah. a free house. It's definitely like a, like a meme or something like that, but that oh, was pretty funny. Damn. At least I thought. I'm sorry. All right, so now you've painted the picture that he is in. So, so now he's home in bed. Yeah. For He was home in bed for quite some time. They actually took the living room and they set it up like a little sick bay. And, and his mom, Julia, would be like, have some chocolate. And he would draw things. She would ask him to draw stuff. Uh, she was into art. She liked that he was into art, so the two of them bonded a lot while he was sick. And he would also stay at home and read, like, Hollywood Magazine. And mm. Hollywood was killing it at the time. Also, depression. Great for Hollywood. Oh, yeah. Because people just want that escapism, you know? Yeah. They're out of it. They're ready to go. So, you got this little boy. He's in bed, and he's reading these Hollywood magazines. He falls in love with Shirley Temple, just staring at her. Like, all day. It's weird. That's the card. He loves Shirley Temple. He gets in the fan club. He writes her. Uh, he gets an autograph picture back, and that's his prized possession for many years to come. Shirley Temp. Hmm. Yep. Damn. So, staring now, at all these... For those of us that don't know who she is, do you want to give a quick oh, background she, on she, Shirley she, Temple? Yeah. So, she is a very juicy drink that you buy when you're a, <laughs> when you're a child and you can't drink alcohol. A child star as well. Uh, man should not fuck up her life while doing it. So kudos yeah. for Shirley Temple. She actually became yeah. the ambassador of a country. Really? Oh, I forgot. She did. I forgot that. That's, yeah. that's pretty good for you, Shirley Temple. What was it? New Temple? <laughs> Temple University. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So staring into the eyes of the most glamorous people on earth, obviously, is not good for a little boy's self-esteem, especially if he's extremely vain and he hates the way he looks and... Uh, not to mention, this rheumatic fever also did a little number on him. <laughs> Have you guys seen this? Uh, you, you guys know what Andy Warhol looks like, correct? Yeah. Yeah. A lot of people. I only recently found out. Do with the yeah. wig? He wears like the white wig thing? Yeah. Well, and a lot of people think he was albinus. Was he an albino? He wasn't born albino, but the rheumatic fever, when it left his body, it took the pigment, too. And oh. just left some weird blotches on his face. Oh, jeez. Yeah. Dude, so, I didn't want you to do, like, the Haunting of Hill House here. Why are we getting all spooky? Andy um, Warhol, the only artist who is constantly seeing ghosts. Well, he's just like, uh, uh, you can get a cold and then all your color leaves you. If you don't... <laughs> and if you don't know what he looks like, remember when we talked about the American Horror Story? <laughs> yes. Valerie Solanas. Um... Evan Peters looks so much like Andy Warhol. He does. Yeah, I, can I don't see know. That, yeah. I don't know how he does it. Hmm. Like he plays so many characters in the show, but that's the one for him. That's it. He's his face is lumpy, but that's cool. <laughs> yeah. He got a lot of looks. That lump he, face. Very conscious of his looks too. Andy was plagued by his uh, his uh, vanity and his his low self esteem for his looks. He just hated his face. Uh, not so good. That's why he's the man behind the camera. And his cool older brothers would call him Andy the Red-Nosed Horror, which definitely <laughs> helped him helped out. Helped self-esteem, definitely. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Yeah. Wait, so his his brothers are like, yeah, like uh, 
doing all state lacrosse right now. <laughs> what are we talking about here? He's like fucking laxing it, like, yo, Andy, catch. Yo, Andy, you're yeah. such a pussy, Andy, bro. Oh, bro. And they're hitting him in the face with a goddamn piece of rubber that's harder than anyone's dick ever. And he's like, yeah, okay. stop it, please. <laughs> he was quiet, always quiet, barely spoke up. He looks like shit. This is horrible when you're a little kid. This is, yeah. This haunts him his whole life. But he still liked hanging it's out with mom. An adult. Oh, yeah. Still liked hanging out with mom, and mom would feed him them chocolates, and <laughs> she'd give him more ideas to draw. And when he was feeling better, mom enlisted him in some free art classes that were offered at the Carnegie Art School, where mm. he later attended college. But I so, think I'm skipping forward there. So his mom is feeding him chocolate, so he's breaking out all the time. Yeah. <laughs> He's a zit boy. He's yeah. It's like why am I covered in sandpaper? <laughs> now also like I if if I have a son afflicted with the Saint Vitus dance, the last thing I would want to hop him up on is chocolate. But that's just me. Yeah, he's gonna get jitterbugs. Yeah, yeah, extra hyper. Andy, calm down. Have some chocolate. <laughs> I don't know why we. When I say we, I don't know why I just turn into like an Italian person. Every time I'm, I'm trying to be an immigrant parent. The Long Island curse. <laughs> yeah, that is a Long Island curse. It happens. Anthony, you sit it down. All right, anyway. His father, Andrej, was a super hard worker, and he was able to buy a house outright, moving them out of the ghetto, for $3,200 just outside of the ghetto when Andy was six. $3,200. Wow, it's pretty sad. Even mm. with price inflation now, that is that is a that's about thirty grand today to buy a house outright. I c- wow. I could buy a house for thirty grand today. Yo, ah! you should go on cheap old houses on Instagram. <laughs> I get a boner every time I, I look at this house. I'm like, it's in Pittsburgh. It's it's in some place that's forty minutes from Pittsburgh, but it's a gorgeous house for forty grand. <laughs> Let's get in on it. Well, maybe one day we'll no roof. We'll buy a roast mortem house. Yeah, oh, that'd be cool. We'll all live, please, there. please. Mike, we'll, we'll put a we'll put a skate park on the roof for oh, you. That'd be awesome. Yeah. All right, enough of our house. So back to the nice tan. <laughs> so they had the house going for them, and they weren't like considered these really poor people anymore. But things got shitty real quick when Andrej drank some contaminated water on a job site. <laughs> In West Virginia, and died a few days later. Are you drinking out of a puddle? Don't. <laughs> so he's on a job site, uh, working in some mine or something like that. I don't know exactly what kind of hard labor, but he's out there. Everyone's drinking this water. Everyone just got sick, but he's the only person on the job site that died. Really? Yeah. Wow, bad luck. Yo, check wow. out Why this. Are they drinking water. Well, they were all drinking from what seemed to be a natural spring, but just muddy oh, water. Man. Yo, the bra- yeah. the boss brought his seven like weenie dogs over, <laughs> and guess what? This, is, this pool appeared right where they were walking. <laughs> we should drink it. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah, so he dies, and they lay his body out in the family room for three days for all to see. The whole neighborhood comes by, pays their respects, and uh, this scared the shit out of our little Albanist kid. He just couldn't handle having a dead person in the house. He would just cry. He cried for three days. I mean, that is weird. Well, he's yeah, he's six or seven years old at this point. It's weird. Uh, definitely traumatic. Yeah, can't really uh, fault him for crying under the bed on this one. No, I'd be crying. I'd be maybe jerking off. (laughs) At six or seven. Yeah, dead bodies, man. Uh, Jeez. (laughs) My final answer is: What are daddy issues? Yes, that is correct. (laughs) 
So another nasty scare that happened about two years later is that his mother was diagnosed with colon cancer and had oh, to no. get a nice length of intestine removed. Oh. Um, she did was he? in the hospital wow. for a few months, but she did survive. And another horrible experience for Andy, the closest person in his life, in the hospital. The older brothers laid up at that time, and they were very supportive. They stopped calling him, you know, shit face. Right. Whatever. Tom. <laughs> I don't know if you came across this in your research. Did he keep that intestine and turn it into a snap bracelet? Maybe. <laughs> do they do I'm that? Winking. Yeah, yeah, that's part of the tradition, the Polish tradition. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I yeah. heard about that, yeah. Of course. I'm just so uninitiated. Like, so like I said, she survives the operation and will live to feed Andy many more chocolates throughout the years. <laughs> With her breasts. Just pop them into his mm. mouth. <laughs> now, he was also dyslexic, so school was awful. But he was always great in art. He truly was a great artist. In the fine really? sense. He yeah. wasn't just soup boy? No, he wasn't just soup boy. I like his art. Shut up. <laughs> <laughs> After high school, he enrolled uh, in Carnegie Tech for art. And hmm. he was expelled after the first year of that because he did some class that he just totally fucked up. It was like his one elect, uh, non-elective that he had to do. He spent the, the following summer just putting together a killer portfolio and bringing it back to the school. And the administration let him back in because he was undeniably fantastic Really, what he was doing. Yes. I never thought that. So I always thought at Andy Warhol, you know, Tom and I, we used to do stencils in high school. Right? Yeah. Spray paint stencils. Stencils are child's game. It's a child's game. But there were yeah. those people that were like, and I'm not going to name any names, the people in high school that were like legitimate spray paint artists. Oh, yeah. You know, and like, I always thought that that was like what Andy Warhol was like. I Well, you he, know, he is. I'm not though, saying right? he, he. Yeah, but he could draw, though. He could draw. He was good. Okay. I never knew that, really. No, he was really good. Yeah. His career does not match up to what his talents were like mm-hmm. in, okay. re- in reality. You guys know how I feel about fucking pop art. It's garbage but it does yeah, but he capitalized on what was working then. yeah yeah no i'm, I'm not trendy. knocking his industrious nature at all mm-hmm. um so he gets back into school after graduating he knew he had to get out of pittsburgh because pittsburgh is just like steel and bullshit i want to move polish to- people which he had Ooh. enough of because he was kind of like not really polish you know where did he go where did he go well i'll tell you he went to new york city oh uh, I so nineteen long, if not for the latency. <laughs> <laughs> so in 1949, with his portfolio and 200 bucks in hand, he hopped on a train to the big ass Apple ass. Dude, if you want to be anyone, you should go to the place where there's a lot of people. <laughs> Dude, it's like yeah, so you sick. Really, you you really stand out. Yeah. Just mad people. With everyone. So, and he immediately got diarrhea from drinking the water. Uh, no, I don't think he ate that much. <laughs> um, so, he had fantastic timing. And let me tell you why. The art world, up until World War II, heavily localized in gay-ass Paris. But then it moved to Locust Valley. Yes. Uh, <laughs> or just a few miles away from that. After the war, loads of artists, art dealers, curators, and gallery owners moved their operations to New York City. It wasn't just the artists trying to start something new. It was a lot of the people in Paris when the, the German occupation happened. They were rich people. They came over here and s- set up shop right. here. Would, would you argue that it's a movement? Yes. 
Yeah, it's a, it's an actual movement. It's like <laughs> <laughs> it turns into a bowel movement. I was thinking an art movement, say. but the same thing. No, New York City art movement. Yeah. No, it's oh shit, Nazis is here. Yeah. Coco <laughs> Chanel, you can stay here. Suck them all off. Yeah. We're leaving. Hugo Boss was there. Yeah, Hugo Boss is like <laughs> <laughs> Chanel's like let me let me snowball it. Oh <laughs> uh, yes, boots. Killer. Killer boots. <laughs> Killer boots. What part of the city is he in? Uh, I'll get to that. So Andy wanted a piece of this shit, and he also wanted a piece of Hollywood-style glamour that became normalized with dipshits like Jackson Pollock, Mark Rothko, and Barnett Newman. I think I've said before on other podcasts, Jackson Pollock could go suck a fucking hell. <laughs> that is the worst art I've ever seen. Who's the last guy? You and he could draw. He could not draw. Well, yeah, Jackson just, Pollock. Splat. Jackson Pollock wasn't like the. Um, he wasn't like Andy Warhol. He just made paint a little bit. That was uh, yeah. He could he could draw right? a stick figure. Wow, he's like a bullshit artist. Like I don't I don't know. Like I, I don't get it. The last guy, um, uh, Barnett Newman, was the guy who did blank canvases or single color canvases, and then just did like one line down them. Ugh. so deep. Yeah, right. And Rothko did like. Giant gradients. Paint samples. Yeah. Basically. He but he bear. soaked them. <laughs> <laughs> Soak them real hot. No, the last time I went to the Dia. Did I mention this in one of the older podcasts? What? The last time I went to the Dia? No. What's the Dia? The the it's upstate New Is York. That in Beacon? Yeah, in Beacon. Yeah. So there's this like new age pop arty like Post, what is postmodern? Postmodern expressionism. Yeah. So there's this place called the Dia. It's a very famous place upstate New York in Beacon. And I went there. There's those canvases that are just like a white canvas, right? So, and it's like, oh, oh. so deep. <gasps> that like but, when, whenever I'm in the, I've been in the moment twice, and every single time I see a piece of art that just makes my eyes go red, and I just want to choke the nearest Asian next to me and just fucking murder someone and get some real <laughs> attention. Like, fuck this. It's like art. usually me. Alright, no, well, right, so Tom, like, skip the moment. Just go straight to Dia because it's all fucking that shit. There was uh, one that was, it was a room because it looks like a warehouse, kind of. Yeah. There was a room and there was a bunch of, like, shitty fucking, like, like shit leather on the floor. Like, just, just leather like, on the floor. thrown on the floor. Great. And I walked in, I was like, oh, there's a fucking plaque. It's like, this represents uh, the time that I saw my mother for the first time when I came out of her vagina. Oh, good. I'm, I'm sure he remembered <laughs> that. Accurate depiction. Yeah. Go to Dia. Well, I don't want to get on too much of a tangent because this gets brought up a lot. Okay. So we'll get back into it. Okay. So Andy's in New York, and it is the abstract expressionist movement at its peak. No talent needed. Come up with whatever you feel like putting on a big-ass canvas. Romanticize your depression, and you're going to be huge. That's what it was. Hmm. So his first job in the city was actually working for Glamour magazine, uh, with his first assignment working uh, on a piece for Condé Nast. In his first published piece of art, the printer left the A off his last name, so it went from Warhalla to Warhol, and he decided he liked that, and that's where we get Andy Warhol oh. from. Mm. Okay. He was just like, yeah, it's fine, it's fine. Yeah, that's kind of yeah, what I'm saying. Good. <laughs> yeah. yeah, oh, that's great, that's my name. It sounds yeah. better. Yeah, I really, really like it. <laughs> yeah, the, the, I can't was... tell with the typography, but I'm fairly suspect that my diploma is misspelled. I think I told you guys that. 
Oh yeah, dude. It wasn't as it wasn't as fortunate as oh Warhol. I think they replaced the C with an R in my name, which makes me Cody Merkin. Oh, I was, I was thinking Rody McCann. <laughs> no, no, no. Put a space in there, Cody Mr. Can. <laughs> yeah. That works, I guess. I think you just change it, like, just kind of fill in the blanks a little bit. Cody Merkin. Make it what you want. Yeah, you yeah, know? yeah. <laughs> pubic wigs. <laughs> a Merkin's a pubic wig. Yeah. My jaw is on the ground. Pick that jaw up. <laughs> so with his new income, he was able to rent a tiny little roach-filled apartment and his tenacious work ethic and somewhat fair working climate that he had at the time, he began some upscaling quickly. So it was a year in the shitty apartment, then he moved on up with some friends, and, you know, back then rent wasn't an arm and a leg. You could just go to work for the allotted amount of time. I'd like to live in that time zone. That's, I mean, that's, I mean, that time zone, time, we call it time zone, right? Well, time zone is time a, period. Is a time locational period, yeah. thing, Born Mike. Born in a decade. <laughs> well, time period. I like to live that. I mean, they always say like New York was so much scarier back then. Like, it was like, not like it is today. Oh, it was real scary. Yo, yeah. I mean, all I'm saying, though, is that like, he's living in Manhattan. Yeah, but yeah. so is right? Richard For like dirt cheap, right? For dirt cheap. You can't get close to that Yeah, today it's today. ridiculous. Homeless people at that time... It's. I would have to assume that they were mentally ill or just unfathomably lazy. This is our yeah. economy yeah. at its peak. You can walk into any store and be like, hey, can I work here? And they're like, we have too much money. Come work here. Right. And then you get a job and you're not making a crazy bank, but you can live. Your you know? apartment is yeah. like a totally reasonable. No, I mean, like back then you could work at a gas station and buy a car, buy a house. Yeah. Ridiculous. You know? Yeah, and we complain about this a lot here at Rose Mortem because we're from New York, which is just, um, it's second to the, the San Francisco area. It, no, it's first. It's it, first. It just sucks. Either way, cost of living is yeah. up there. So, with his commercial art, he was very successful early on. He got known in, in the commercial circles for his blotted line look, which he was, he, he would draw very, like, minimalistic figures and stuff, a lot of fashion-based uh, subjects and he did this technique which actually looks pretty cool where instead of pulling a straight line with a pen he would pull it on uh, a piece of paper and then flip it and when he pulled it off it had like a printed kind of look oh, oh. all right it's cool yeah it's neat it, and it kind of is a precursor to what is like later his art style where he does you know, screening and printing and shit yeah. mm-hmm. uh, because he essentially was doing his one-off prints like that it was pretty neat he made that popular in New York City, in the fashion, he world. made pop art popular. And if no, no, he wasn't pop art at this point at all. He was commercial art. And right, there was a big distinction mm-hmm. between the two. Well, when you're doing like uh, those those fashion designs, right? It's like basically just trying to get your idea down. So like doing that whole flippy thing. Like I want to make a model and, and it wants to be symmetrical. If Valerie had only had a second copy of Up Yours. <laughs> <laughs> right. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. So the art honkies took note of his work and, even more so, his strange characteristics. When he pitched drafts in meetings, instead of, like, a neat portfolio, he would come with all of his work organized in brown paper bags. Sick. Uh, even with his vain nature and his, uh, his self-image uh, issues that he was dealing with, he had no idea how to dress. He stuck out like a piece of shit uh, that was trying to be a thumb. You know, uh, <laughs> he had really oh. shitty, ill-fitting coats, uh, shoes that were too big, and ridiculous uh, eyeglasses at the time, which became cool later, but 
It, it was like, where'd you get those, man? He was like, right, from like, a fashion, Tom. Not really. If you look no. at him when he's younger, he looks like shit. No, oh, probably. I yeah. am so envious of every man born or like that lived like 1963 and prior. Because all you had to do was get up, put a fucking suit on, put your hat on. You only owned two suits, too, yeah. back then. Put your that fucking suit on, blue. put your hat on. There's no fucking like, what do I wear? Oh my god, should I wear the denim with the denim? Should I wear this like, you know... We have uh, too many options nowadays. Now it's just like, you just you, back then it was just, put the suit and the hat on, I'm done. Yeah, but now every guy needs five other gay guys to tell them how to dress, so... Yeah, yeah! <laughs> it helps. <laughs> Thank you. I mean, uh, I don't want to go to to YouTube to figure out how to dress myself in the morning when I'm naked. Look, well, so, so imagine that world that you just described, where everyone just, like, kind of figures out how to dress, and Andy's trying to be different, so he's known in the art circuit, or the commercial art circuit, as Raggedy Andy. Still dancing. <laughs> Lots of nicknames for this guy. Yeah. My mom loves Raggedy Andy. Yeah, that's uh, great. It's not what you what you want to be called. Named after a a, a a piece of shit doll, all pale white <laughs> white cloth, and just red blotches on his face. Oh my! That's God. exactly how he looked. That's the a- same guy in the magazine wrote his name. For every magazine then on to say Raggedy Andy. I'm sorry, it's a typo. <laughs> sorry, man. <laughs> Andy, at the age of 25, lost his virginity to a man named Carl. Mm-hmm. Take that. That's good for him. Mm-hmm. Good for Carl, too. Was he a junior? He wasn't a Carl's junior. I was thinking about getting hamburgers for this episode, but we don't have a Carl's <laughs> junior around here. Yeah. I was going to say, welcome to Carl's place. So his self-conscious nature and low self-esteem kind of doomed his relationship with Carl to begin with because he kind of felt like too ugly to be loved and he never really liked to be touched that much. So he hmm. he was like he was longing for a relationship and for compassion and sentiment uh, sentiment sentimental touching but he didn't want to be touched in weird ways like he didn't shake hands he was very uh he's a hallmark card yeah he was like unfunny howie mandel (laughs) oh really (laughs) so andy did the only thing that someone in that situation would do at this time which is get plastic surgery on his face ah and then he felt much much better about himself I'm just kidding he hated himself for the rest of his life anyway (laughs) oh my god (laughs) dysphoria wait What were, the, what were the plastic surgery things he did? On his nose. That was his first one. Yeah, the rhinoplasty. Yeah, that was done when he was 28, I think. Really, really young. Jeez. I was thinking about getting a rhinoplasty. I just want to make it as bulbous as possible. <laughs> I want to look I want to look like Mario, you know, just like... You want to be Wario. It's crazy. You really can do that. You can really just change the way you look. That's so amazing we can do that. I don't, so I, don't know if that's a, I don't know if amazing is the well, right word. It's not amazing, word. but it's so weird. You think about that? It's <laughs> yeah, like, you can change yet, the way you look. You still look the way you do. Can I confess do. something? On the inside, yeah. <laughs> what, do you want, what do you want to confess? I, I have had plastic facial surgery. What? What? Yes. Uh, I got my head mashed in with a bat when I was little, and they uh, fixed me up. Wow. Oh, so, so that was just so, to return it to the original wasn't cosmetic, glory. It wasn't cosmetic plastic facial yeah, surgery, but, while but you I did were have. There, I am a genuine done. recipient. Well, yeah, no, I feel like I feel like there's a place for plastic surgery, and that's basically like, did you get fucked? Like, is <laughs> yes. there a was there a fire? Did someone try to start a campfire on your face? Plastic surgery. You know, you do one or two things. That's fine. Who gives a shit? It's the future. I have tattoos, so I can't really talk shit about other body shit. Yeah, but, you it's know. a body mod. Yeah. yeah, I have a tail growing out of me somewhere. 
Podcast. You haven't seen it, though. That's your penis for the seventh time, Travis. <laughs> Shut up, Cody. It's Harry. So he also began balding at a very young age. Like, super, super young. Oh, is that why he wore the wig? Yeah. Uh, he basically adopted oh. some rats and had them turned into wigs. Um, <laughs> his first few wigs that he bought fit as poorly as his suit jackets. Throughout his life, he always wore wigs, though. This man was bald as you can get. Did you just say wig? Wig. 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 So imagine, okay, if you want to have a little more fun with this story, just imagine that he looked more like Ron Howard than he <laughs> did Andy Warhol. Hmm. I'm just thinking about not so much Ron Howard, more like um, Dale from King of the Hill. <laughs> <laughs> you you leave Dale Gribble out of this. He is a saint. Shout out to Texas where the wit is great. <laughs> yes. From his mid-twenties, it was abundantly clear that Andy was a creep. Professional creep his whole career. He became obsessed with Truman Capote, the famous author. He wrote letters to Capote all the time. And Capote answered a few, but had no intentions of becoming like pen pals with him, so he kind of let that die out. That was not cool by Andy. Okay, I want to admit something. I know it's in movies, and I know I'm supposed to be a history boy. I have no clue what Truman Capote did. He wrote a few books. Okay. I don't know his work that well. I just know he's an author. and He's an author? Yeah, and he was also a really famous author in the fact that he was one of the first authors to become a Hollywood star as what well. What did he write? Didn't he write that Oscar Wilde one? I don't. I honestly don't know. See, I no one can tell me what he wrote. Dude, I can't tell you what I, I wrote. I have heard of him. Well, yeah, I, I'm at a loss of words. No, there's a movie about, about him. Well, it's okay, because I'm just like... I'm just letting you know, all you have to know right now is that Truman Capote was big. It's a cool name, though. I put Capote. Capote, yeah. Yeah, it bounces sounds. off the dick. <laughs> <laughs> just off the pink of it. Andy wasn't having the fact that the letters weren't being reciprocated anymore, and he wasn't getting any of this, this mail back. So uh, the human dandelion named Andy obtained Capote's phone number and started calling him. So Capote had to change his number. And then eventually people started finding out that Warhol was going to local pubs in the area that Capote lived and claimed to be Capote. Wait, so this is ultimate fanboy child. Yeah, really creepy stuff. You know, like the, that fucking sicko who looks like, uh, who did all that plastic surgery to look like Justin Bieber. Oh, yeah. Yeah, like. Oh, that's a oh thing? my God. He looks yeah. fucking horrendous. Yeah. That's like a fucking Barbie doll. It looks like you blew up. Justin Bieber with a bike tire. Let pump. You know, like, like, it looks really fucking creepy. Fuck. And shiny. Shiny as you get. I spent like $200,000 on that or something like that. Something worth it. Amount. Worth every Money. penny. I feel like I'm like, that's weird. And I take my hat off. I have the ramen noodle head of uh, <laughs> Justin Timberlake. <laughs> yep. <sighs> so uh, it never really worked, though. Andy claiming to be Capote. People would be like, y you're not him. You don't look like him. And Andy would, like, leave the bar. Go cry somewhere. Jeez. Eventually, he started straight up stalking Capote. He'd wait outside of his house, try to talk to him. And Capote is on record saying Andy Warhol is a complete creep during the early mm. parts of Andy's career. They ended up being friends later on because celebrities are just friends with celebrities. That's yeah. how it does. But uh, Andy's first actual exhibition was called 15 Drawings Based on the Writings of Truman Capote. Uh, none of the works sold, and the curator went on the record saying that Andy was really creepy to be around. Jeez. I like it. Emily, you work in galleries sometimes. Yes. Uh, you ever have a creepy artist? Yes. 
you want to describe them to yeah, us without us without names? Without names. What's a creepy artist like? There I was protecting a rug. <laughs> <laughs> what? <laughs> it was an art piece. And this guy comes over and he's like, ask me questions about the art. And then he's like, you're, you should know, I too do art. And I was like, cool. Oh. <laughs> fucking awesome and he was like and you do really well in those pants and then actually no my favorite my favorite interaction with an artist was this Uruguayan or is it Uruguayan Uruguayan painter sure. he had a he had an exhibition at my school and we had to like talk about his art in front of people who had questions and he asked me for a cigarette. He was like, do you have one? And I was like, no. And he was like, do you want one? And I was like, yeah. Um, we went outside and he told me he liked my shoes and he wanted the same pair. And I was like, oh, oh, I love you. <laughs> <laughs> but th- at first I thought it was creepy. I was like, hmm. I've come across some creepy artists. If a man compliments your shoes, he is certainly trying to sleep with you. Yeah, but if he Something's says he wants off. the same pair. Yeah, no, that's a little different. Well, yeah. he's, he's trying to watch you sleep with someone or something like that. I don't know, I don't know what these art people do. He's trying to steal your shoes. Yeah, exactly. I, I, he was just trying to mug you. Damn. <laughs> Have you ever met a famous artist named Jack? Well, no. Why? He tried to paint you like one of his French girls. Oh, okay. I think that's the Lord of the Rings thing. You don't sound like a penny whistle. Melody was way off, but you did a really good job of getting that creepiness across. Uh, Tom, you want to pay me like one of your French bras? I just want to thank. Oh. <laughs> I want to thank your creepiness to your pants you're wearing. Your fucking dad ass pants, <laughs> dude. I'm wearing these khakis. I'm trying to go to church tomorrow. So you wore them tonight. Saturday mass. It's Saturday eight mass. hours. <laughs> I'm trying to show up as drunk as possible. You work at State Farm? I want to be like, hey, yo, preacher, tell me the story about Jesus when he touched someone. Sir, this is a Burger King. <laughs> <laughs> All right, back to Andy here. Who? So, spring, 1952. Knock, knock. Who's at the door? It's mom. Who's mom? Andy's mom. She had sold the family house and decided to move in with Andy, totally unannounced. The agreement they eventually reached was that she would get her own place eventually when Andy married a lovely lady. So that never happened. It's not going to happen. Yeah. I got news for you. Their arrangement ended up being mutually beneficial, though, as she turned into like a bit of a housemaid and even did some of the typography for Andy's commercial clients. Hmm. Yeah, because she had great handwriting as well. Mm. He was able to bring in more money that way. Panman ship. And she didn't even want money. She just wanted, like, you know, what, what do Polish people eat? Kielbasis and, and hard bread. I don't know. Did she <laughs> That's iron all. That's all they pants? Have. She probably did iron less his pants. Less raggedy Andy. Yeah, yeah less yeah. raggedy Andy. I'd be like, Andy, get, you know, get yourself a nice, uh, like, German boy. They're not going to take over our country. <laughs> <laughs> They're lovely men. They learned their lesson Lovely once. ladies. <laughs> Look at that haircut. They deserve a second chance. Yeah. So even though Andy was making loads of money as one of New York's highest paid commercial artists, he was upset that he wasn't considered a fine artist. He wanted to get into the world of fine art because he wanted the fame. 
But the abstract expressionism that was still big at the time uh, wasn't really working with Andy. No one was cool with his swishiness and uh, what he was drawing at the time. Like I said before, Jackson Pollock, you just want diarrhea and doing the right place. That's the artist. Andy would actually use his hand. He'd make beautiful drawings, some of them not so beautiful, kind of uglier over time. But here we are. Is he still dancing? No, no. Dude, he stopped dancing when he was nine. <laughs> Never danced ever again. Yeah. No, he definitely didn't. He was very uh, very stringent. Yeah. Um, so, the only place he can get his art shown in like a group gallery setting-wise, none of the gallery owners would have him. But there was an iced cream parlor in the Upper East Side. In which I love ice cream. Mm-hmm. Which worked out perfectly for him, because this iced cream shop was notorious meeting place for uh, the gay men of the area. Oh, honey, you want to go get some iced cream? Wink, Ooh. wink. Yes. And Andy's <laughs> pictures at this time that he got them in the iced cream gallery. It was perfect for the gay men coming to the ice cream store, because all of his pictures were just boys kissing each other. Mm. Which hmm. is kind of wonder why. kind of bold in the 50s. Yeah. That's a very bold move. He's got boys buying him ice cream. Yeah. So even with his work in the hottest gay ice cream parlor in town, he still couldn't find anyone to sleep with. He was very alone, probably because he was creepy. Probably because he's living in New York City. Probably yeah. because Tinder didn't exist. Maybe he's yeah! confused. Oh, that's true. I believe that is Grinder. That the homosexual <laughs> oh, community. Oh Grinder. Grinder. Grinder is fun. Grin- Grinder and Grinder law firm Down and, to business. and gay sexual aid. <laughs> He went from uh, trying really hard to get attention uh, of other men, and then it never went well, so he turned a little more nihilistic. Mm. He got darker. What's Ooh. the point? Yeah, exactly. He actually developed so what as being his catchphrase for quite some time. Really? <laughs> that was him. Always. Get out of the road. There's a taxi coming really fast. <laughs> so what? Yeah, so he was noted <laughs> to say <laughs> so what a lot. Yep. <laughs> So even though his fine art career was in donkey manure, his commercial clientele just kept growing. Especially now that his mom was picking up all that slack. So he bought a four-story townhouse in Lexington, uh, on Lexington. Lexington Steel? On Lexington Steel's (laughs) penis. And promptly moved his mom into the basement. And then all the art upstairs. Well, yeah, you'd put... if, If I had a Lexington Steel, a full Lexington Steel... My mom would not be near near the near the midriff of him. She'd be towards his shoes. Because, oh you know, God. his shoes are very important. I would put myself or someone that would appreciate the midriff of Lexington Steel <laughs> in the middle. Maybe I'd be towards the wow. top. I'd, Who's going in maybe, the jeans? No, <laughs> maybe I would be towards the top because I like Lexington Steel's face. He has an excellent face. Got a very... He has a... No, he has a very he has a very um, manly jaw, and I can appreciate that as a man. What about his mind? He has a, his mind he has is, a is excellent. It's, I'm gonna be right up there at the top. Maybe some of these people that might be interested in in, in Lexington Steele's penis would be near the midriff. So he's got one. Okay. Well, for those of you who don't know who Lexington Steele is, he's an American porn star with a giant dong. Type it in yes. Google. Yeah. Yeah. Lexington Steele incognito mode. Go for it. So no, no. Guess what? If if you are interested, I'm I'm renting Lexington Steele. My mother is going to live near his shoes. I will live. No, I will live near his face. But if you are interested. In renting his midriff. I don't want to live on Lexington Steel. Well, you're not. <laughs> I don't want to live on him. So, the 1960s were approaching, and America needed a hero or something. 
Someone to show the people that there was no need to refine your ideas. Just regurgitate whatever you felt into the ethos. Call it art. And anyone who criticized your trash was part of the problem. This is the mindset of the 60s. The 60s, the worst decade. <laughs> Besides getting to the moon. Mm. Yeah, we did that. Did they that really right. get to the moon, though? Or was it fake? Shut up, Mike. They got to the fucking moon. <laughs> All right. You can unsubscribe. Have you, you can ever been to space, Travis? No, uh, you can just unsubscribe to us if you don't believe that we got to the moon. Andy's first found inspiration in the up-and-coming minimalist pop art scene was Jasper Johns. His minimalism made the uh, that part of the art community more hard rock. Like that brought them into being. It's punk. More, yeah, more, more punk. So like now they're wearing. I mean, this is the '60s, so it that's just got them in touch. It got them in, in touch with the counterculture. Being it wasn't cool. just yeah. an isolated art thing. They um, wear they wearing leather jackets now. Yeah. Then came Robert Rauschenberg, who painted things that he saw in the newspaper. Great. His oh. work looks like children's collages. This inspired Andy to take more of an avant-garde approach to his painting. When he tried to contact and get in with Rauschenberg and John's art circle. They rejected him quickly due to his commercial success. That was a big one. They didn't want to be seen with a commercial artist, and also his gayness. To be clear, both Rauschenberg and John's were homosexual and had awesome gay sex all the time. But Sick. Andy was too gay to be seen with them, because it still had to wow. be on that DL. You could, like, pass. You know, the art scene, even though it was loaded with that community... Uh, they still had to be cool on the surface. Right. Andy was not cool on the surface. You know, they're like, honey, what do you want to do? You want to go grilling? You want to go camping with me, honey? You want to go camp? Yeah! Yeah, bro! I want to go, go camping, bro! <laughs> let's do it, bro! Let's do it, bro! Let's pitch a tent. Let's go get one of those, like, teardrop trailers that they put on the back of 53 Chevys and drive out to the desert and it, do gay stuff. It, no, excuse me. Are you are you talking about, uh, like, what type of car, what type of finish? We can't talk about that. We can't talk about the finish of the car. True. We can't talk about that. Just give me whatever one looks the most like Give me the gun. raddest one most yeah. guzzle the most gas, honey. So anyway, point being, they were afraid that he would blow up their spot. Because they had a good thing going for them. They were big in the art community. They were well accepted. They were liked by people. And here comes Andy. He's like, I want to hang out with you guys. And it's just like, dude, you are just wearing too much glitter. You know? <laughs> Chill. You're going to get us got. Chill. So the rejection that he dealt with from Johns and Rauschenberg inspired Andy in a way. He liked his swishiness, and he thought those two were kind of missing out. And was like, you guys go suck an egg, I'm going to be Andy Warhol. <laughs> that's cool. Yeah, that's how people should handle shit. Fuck you know what I mean? Right. Learn how to be how with it. 1961 was a big year for Andy. This is when he was developing his new pop art style. His employer, Bonwit Teller, let him show some of his new art in the store display windows, which actually got the eye of a lot of people in New York City. Uh, he also met Henry Geltzoller, who ended up being his manager and helped Andy throughout all of his stuff. And he was working at, as a curator for, um, for the Metropolitan Museum of Art. That's where they have armor and shit. Like old shit. Like look at the samurai swords and stuff like that. Right, dude. Mm. Um, that like, place is cool. We, Mike, we should go there and like just grab those swords and like start fence. fighting with them. Yeah. We should get in the medieval I gear. Definitely get arrested. No, we won't. But it's Shut worth up, it. Tom. Shut you up. guys can bail us out, right? Maybe. Yeah. Uh, no, Mike and I. I'm over do here that. in Hawaii. You want to go to jail together? We're not gonna go to jail. We're just gonna have. They're gonna be like, wow, these are honorable men. They're warriors. 
we're from the past. Let them fight. <laughs> yeah, let them fight. <laughs> let right? them let them figure we it out between themselves. <laughs> anyway, Henry was a smart dude, and he loved Andy's work, and he ended up being kind of Andy's idea guy. Because Andy, if you remember, as I told you before, his mother, Julia, always fed him ideas. Andy yeah. was not an idea guy. But she was feeding him chocolate. Yeah. <laughs> she was feeding him chocolate, chocolate, yeah. and she'd be like, draw a cow, or whatever that is in Good Slavic. Andy. You know? <laughs> draw, draw some borscht. Draw a hard-boiled egg. Mom, I hate chocolate. Yeah. Stop feeding me. Yeah. <laughs> draw a cow, Andy. So that, that was kind of how he was natured to do his art. He was not a draw-from-the-head guy. He was a visual guy. He liked other people's ideas. Henry kind of filled that void for him. Okay. A lot of the works that he did were based on Henry's and other friends of his ideas. Like, mainly hard-boiled eggs. Yeah. <laughs> so this is also the year that Andy develops what he would call the no-drip look that is found in many of his paintings, like the Campbell Soup one, which I'll talk about. It's bold, solid colors with no character whatsoever or no imperfections. Andy's circle of friends at the time lost their fucking minds over this mundane look. But he was still having a hard time getting his work into galleries. The art dealers saw it for what it was. Trash. That's like Banksy <laughs> now, right? Like, you know what I mean? Like, when Banksy first came out, they're like, it's a guy who fucking spray paints shit. Yeah. And now, like, you know, they're trying to sell his paintings, and he's shredding he them. destroys them, yeah. But, like, oh, you know, on, you, you could on. buy a Banksy for millions of dollars. But, like, when Banksy first came out, it was like, I don't know. Does he get people, the money for that? Well, what no, was, people, like, harvest it. Uh, they, like, cut it out of the sidewalk. Yeah. yeah. Take, like, a wall they put ticket boots up. Yeah. yeah. I mean, when he shredded that painting. That was sick. Uh, no, I mean, but when he did that, the price of it went up. Oh, fuck. So he yeah. did it on purpose, yeah. you think? No, he didn't do it on purpose. He was like, fuck this. I don't want my art to be yeah. sold. to prove a point but, exactly what happened. Yeah. But what, what, what made Banksy big was his balls. Like, he didn't exactly have the coolest art. He had cool art. I'm not going to say it wasn't cool. It was like vigilante ways. Well, yeah, it, exactly. The fact that he was going out and doing, like, crazy vandalism, that's what made it so cool. It was well-planned. Yeah. yeah. Right, but I, like, I don't hate Banksy. Shit's cool for what it is. It's got more balls than what, like, a lot of the other pop artists yeah. were doing. And he is pop, pop art. That's what Right, Banksy but at the is. same time, Andy's doing this, something, this thing that's not necessarily, like, you know, innovative. That's a Andy? In a I mean, way, is he, it, it, I mean, it was. I'll get okay. into that a bit. So anyway, he's having a hard time getting his shit into galleries, and all the gallery artists, uh, owners just thought he was creepy anyway, like I said before. So no one even wanted to deal with him. Like, he'd walk in the door and they'd be just like, tell him I'm out to lunch, you know? Like, I don't want to fucking talk to this guy. <laughs> uh, even though he received some praise by 1962, he was only, like, one of the only pop artists that really didn't get much respect. It was still uh, Rauschenberg and John's getting all the love. Yeah, doing that gay man pumping. Mm -hmm. But he was very busy during this time. He was creating a lot of the artwork. Uh, Andy got mad about his underappreciation, and he was venting to his friend Muriel Latow when she told him to start painting everyday objects. Paint soup cans. So this struck a chord with Andy, so the next morning he sent his old mom to go pick up all 32 varieties of Cam Campbell soup and bring it back home. He spent the next month painting all the soup cans, studying the soup cans, a whole bunch of different styles. He was becoming the soup. <laughs> oh my god. What's your guys' favorite flavor of soup? Clam chowder, hands down. I don't know. Chow I like chowder. I like, I like clam chowder. That's a good, cho that's a good choice. Yeah, but it's, I'm a it's tomato chowder boy. soup. You like ketchup. True. Mm. Chicken uh, noodle? Yeah, I'm boring. Chick chicken noodle. I like clam chowder. Ooh, 
Tom. I like stuff. Well, we have a we have a family soup. Let me get a flunkin soup. Yeah. What's a flunkin? <laughs> hold on, hold on, hold on. It's a What's flank that? steak pea soup. The oh, that sounds good. Uh, the most beautiful soup in the world. Whew. Yeah, that does sound Sweating. really good. It's electric green. It's thick as fuck. Oh, so it's thick. so good. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, flunkin soup. None of you will ever have it, <laughs> but that's the best soup. You should can it. I think you I've had make that a billion idea. dollars. Yeah, I'll put my grandma's face on it. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yes. Tommy's grandma. Sedell soups. <laughs> Come on and try it. Uh, <laughs> you might like it. That's, that's the catchphrase. You should never can. You might like it. <laughs> that's a good marketing slogan. <laughs> so he's he's basically soup now. He's a soup guy. His curator friend named Irving Blum was in town from L.A. And he invited him over to check out this project. It's good that Irving checked out this project because he loved it. And he owned a gallery out in L.A. And he offered Andy a whole exhibition. Hey, we'll do this. We'll do this soup thing. Just come on in. Do soup. Let's do it. The soup got mixed reactions at first from the L.A. art folk. (laughs) But Irving just loved the fucking soup. He was like, this is the best shit. So he kept it open for a really long time. And after the exhibit closed, he asked Andy if he could buy all 32 pieces from the set. To illustrate how much of a turning point this was in Andy's career, he sold them to Irving for $1,000, all 32 paintings. From this year to the next, the price of those, not that he sold them right then, was valued at a million for the set. Wow. What? He ended up selling it about 20 years later to the MoMA for $15 million. Wow. Wow. Where did they get that money from? Is it just everyone funding it? Well, I mean, the MoMA's just... I don't want to MoMA go off on bank. it. The yeah. MoMA has a lot of money because yeah. there's a lot of prestigious dickheads that want to be in the club. They get that money, man. Right. So you and know they got how, a lot of student money too. You know how, like in the original Spider-Man, uh, <laughs> like the first one, Spider-Man was supposed to be hanging between the two twin towers, saving everyone. Yeah, that's the original one. The original one. They oh, took shit. it out of the yeah, theaters. the original movie poster. He was hanging between the two twin towers. Really? And what he was doing was catching money between those two towers. Right. Before they fell. Shit. And giving it to the MoMA. Yeah. It was all about the MoMA. That's how that works. Oh. Well, Willem Dafoe was Mr. MoMA himself. <laughs> but they changed him to Green Gobby. <laughs> all right. As Andy's fame steadily grew, so did his laziness. He started getting to silk screening, which isn't exactly easy to do by hand. But um, he kind of took a back seat. At first, he would do wooden stamps that he would carve out. And then reproduce them on canvases. And then he would do rubber, where he'd have someone else do it. And then he'd send pictures that he drew to a factory for someone else to make a screen for him. And then he started just sending photos to the factory that he didn't even take. And was calling it art. He was basically an Instagram artist. The first one. Okay, my background on my phone is one of his paintings. It is 63 Mona Lisa's in white. Did he do the Mona Lisa? That was someone else. Right? I was shocked and surprised. Yeah, I think so. What? To just now find out that he did not do the Mona Lisa. <laughs> yeah, right. I'm Fuck. pissed. <laughs> Dude, uh, well, he did. Uh, he did Mona Lisa. Uh, it's like he was like the original Mona. Photoshop, kind of. Yeah, yeah. I mean, just, yeah. I don't know. Like, I'm not saying that that aesthetic value doesn't hold anything, but I also am in the camp of like. 
really anyone could do that. Yeah, I so, mean, so not to say you should sell they? the art, but why the fuck are people buying it for millions of dollars? I didn't know his soup. Yeah. I didn't know his Campbell soup thing was what made him famous. That was hand painted. Yeah. And, well, and what also shocks me is that like, how did Campbell's make it and not Chef Boyardee? <sighs> That's a really <laughs> good point, right? Do you think history would that? change if it was a different history, soup? Dude, we would have like we would be riding. It would be the Jetsons right now. Be, the dinosaurs would re-erect. Yeah, yeah, we'd have erect dinosaurs. <laughs> I think that's actually yeah. his friend Muriel Latow's fault because if she had recommended the Chef. true can, yeah, Chef Boyardee, yeah, we, we would be in a lot better place. I love Chef Boyardee. Dude. <laughs> would you guys get a sponsorship? Can I please get some soup from or can no, raviolis? Well, it's not soup. Dude, yeah, raviolis. I, 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 I will. I say I will do my best. I will write them. You had me your chance. Uh-huh. You had your chance when Travis asked what our favorite soup was. You had your fucking chance. Well, they're they're going to send me uh, a not a soup. So, so look, hold on. I want to get back into Andy because we were just talking about how <laughs> how he's sending these these uh, pictures out and he's getting silk screens made in a factory and mm. then getting them back and doing it. Uh, most of his works from around the 1970s onwards were made off-site in a different studio that he never visited. He simply sent the templates for the painting and the prints and signed the finished works when they were sent to him. Oh, so he's doing that Pixar shit. Like, we don't want to make the movie. Send yes. it to Korea. <laughs> yeah. That's what they do. Oh. They fucking make all those movies in fucking Korea. Yeah, this is yeah. this is your fucking pop art god, everyone. Right. This is like, if you're into this shit, understand how fucking lazy and, like, I get the look. I totally get the look. Sell it. I like I liked the Monroe thing. I think it's sick looking. It's cool. Is it worth a million fucking dollars? No. It's a, it's a $1,000 canvas. Because you know, it was made by Chinese people. You know, it's something that you go to Pier 1 and you're like, that looks sick. Yeah. <laughs> I... I, I I totally get the look. I get the appeal, but like this money doesn't add up. No, None I mean basically, no. from what you've told me so far, Andy Warhol is the artist that you see at your local Starbucks. It just manufactured. <laughs> I got Travis Hunt down at my local Starbucks, drawn on the back of cardboard boxes, mooses, and like dream catchers. And I don't shit know what like you're that. talking about. Don't Who's talk this? to me. I'm busy. Oh, you thinking. don't know Travis? Come on, he's a good guy. Travis, you don't know Travis Hunt? I know who I am. Well, he's a different man. Do I eat Hunt's ketchup? No, I eat Heinz ketchup. <laughs> I see. I see. All right. Well, I need to go pee out of my I penis. All right. Andy's fame grew as he worked on more pieces and uh, was showing his pieces in silly, silly galleries. All of his screen printing work, all of his hard labors that he was doing. Uh, now that he had the fame, the one thing that was most important to him, he wanted more. <laughs> <laughs> that wasn't me. No, Travis just dropped a microphone. Man down. Yo, that's that's cool. the worst thing to drop during a podcast. I don't even know why that happened. What is this? Gravity? <laughs> Most of Andy's noteworthy pieces were made between 1961 and 1963. Most of the shit after that was just terrible, but Andy's character was still huge. The day the soup exhibit closed in L.A. was the same day that the CIA helped Marilyn Monroe to commit suicide. <clears throat> Without missing a beat, Andy got onto ordering some silk screens of Marilyn Monroe's face from a factory from a movie that he had stolen. So basically, he didn't do anything um, except produce these Marilyn Monroe paintings that, for the record, look pretty cool, but 
also, it's just as easy as selecting a JPEG and printing it on your dad's computer. And is, that's after she died? That, uh, he was inspired to do that the day she died. So he, he got the ball rolling and with, Something... within a month, Marilyn Monroe was, uh, his Marilyn Monroe's were all over the place. Hmm. So he's like BuzzFeed. Pretty much. He's like, let me just uh, sap onto whatever is popular right now. Yeah, and this really worked with the pop art community because they liked that strong imagery. They liked the celebrity thing. Great. The people who bought it, bought it called him brave and brilliant. So brave. Oh. So brave. In 1963, Andy moved into a studio in a red brick firehouse on Eats 87th Street and hired a college student named Gerard... Milagna to do all the hard parts of the screen printing for him. When JFK died in 1963, Andy made loads of tragic prints of the sad, distressed Jackie O. This coupled well with his Death and Disaster series. Those were paintings, in quotation marks, of police photos and tabloids of people either dying or dead already. And that didn't exactly fly as well in the galleries, but who gives a shit? This guy was filthy fucking rich at this point. Yeah, I um they just had a show for him at the Whitney and that those were included in part of it. I mean, you know, it seems what, what, It seems like he's like the ambulance chaser of the art world. Yeah, but if you yeah. if you capture anything in that scale I don't know, in that cultural time period, it's it makes sense later to bring it up, but I don't know, then it was kind of distasteful. You know what I'm saying? Well, I mean, he's not even really capturing it. He's doing secondhand publishing. He's being the fat Jew. Yeah. He's some... passing it on. <laughs> um, yeah, he... he's one of those. He's a meme account, pretty yeah. much. Like, you, you've yeah. gone back to what you said. Like, he's a meme account. Right. I mean, I've seen a lot of gore grind and porno grind album covers that could pass as way more shocking as Andy... Andy's work, and these guys aren't making any money. They just like to do it. I don't really know the difference, to be honest with you. But I, I definitely disagree with reproducing Jackie O in Distress. That's Yeah, that's pretty fucked. I don't like that either. Well, I mean, this is this is a time that I described before. This is the 1960s, where if you criticized that, was which was hip and in the culture already, you were a square, you were part of the problem. Right. So he was able to get away with murder in a lot of ways because of his personality that he was creating for himself. I mean, the fact that he brought on some other guy to do his his art, mm-hmm. to me, that's like pretty much like art standard, right? Because you look at all these like dudes like Michelangelo, yeah, and like none of them did any of their art. They're like, you you do the you interns go do that. Well, I mean a lot. I mean a lot of them did, and they were still masters. Like Da Vinci. Look at his work. He he actually did all. Of well, it. he yeah. did, yeah. But I feel like a lot of master artists were like, yeah, sure. Like they did the blueprint, but like some guy fucking did it all. Well, yeah. Mm. Even even now, people will walk into museums and assume that every, everything that an artist's name is on that they like came in and put together, and they were like, I did this entire thing. But it's like really the artist just conceptualizes it a lot of the time. Right. And he's like, can you help? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, it, it's I'll bullshit. Pay you, maybe. 
Yeah, maybe. <laughs> I think uh, Andy Warhol was definitely, he made that a standard in the art world, which I think we could all, if you think about it, we could all disagree with that. Yeah, but like now we... having other people do your art yeah. I, and having it be public and letting it be the cool thing. I mean, now we have an iPad, so anyone could just be an artist. You just draw it and then you're good. That's true. Look at this dick I drew with boobs on it. <laughs> did Andy take an any drugs? Um, he did, yeah. yeah. I'll get into that in a bit. So Andy was like hot shit in his own head by this point. He got the full, the celebrity, the fame that he wanted, and he believed everyone should love him, and he brought on this mysterious behavior in the public. He didn't like to really talk much in the press. He was just fucking horrible, and he didn't think he should have to pay for things. Like, he was a cheap motherfucker. Travis actually pointed out something to me um, in the book he was reading about Valerie Solanus that he never tipped yeah. A waitress once. It's like Mr. Pink doesn't believe in it. Yeah, doesn't but oh. d- doesn't believe in it. But then also is like an artist about it. He's not some asshole who murders yeah. people. True. You know? Right. It's like uh, I just don't want to leave a tip. Yeah, just a piece of shit. I hate he- how everyone in high school agreed with Mr. Pink. Uh, no, nah, you always got a tip. I didn't agree with. Yeah, him. no, you I don't know agree. anyone. Yeah, maybe you did. You always got a tip. I like Tim. Yeah, Roth. yeah I, uh, like. Everyone in my group was like, well, not you guys, of course, but everyone was just like, why? Why do I have to pay pay the person bringing me food? Be- I'm like, well, all your friends were rich kids. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, that's true. Uh, yeah. Yeah, that just happens, man. Um, so he would eat at Max's Kansas City all the time, which is like a club. I always heard stories about that place. That was, that was a hot used place. To there a lot. Yeah. Uh, I mean, it's closed down now, but it was like a CBGB's yeah. kind of place. Downtown was it like their rival? It was like they're like yeah, that was the two. It was yeah. Max's Kansas City and CBGB's were the two like hot places to be. Yeah. And there was like different rock and roll camps that would like kind of, you know, you you partnered up with one and uh, you see where it went. You know, is it wait? One of them is where Chad Kruger did his excellent <laughs> music video. Look at this fur. <laughs> no, not that one. When he's on top with the feature in some other guy that I don't even know. Oh. I'm so high. I'm so high. Check out this water tower we're playing next to. Oh my God, Spider Man just appeared on the water tower because we're showing clips of the movie. <laughs> it's beautiful performance, really. Chad Kroger is a killer. Yeah. Artist. Well, yeah. he's the guy that started CBGBs, and that's historical. He's a hero. He's like, someone told me. <laughs> Look at love, saver. It's basically how Andy Warhol got it. How can that be? Look at love, Look at photograph of us. <laughs> so look, we got Andy. He's like one of the richest people in New York City. He's not tipping his waitresses. The entourages that he would roll with, he was always like 15 people deep. They, they saw that. They caught on to it. So they would... Obviously, pay the waitresses more. Yeah, and they had um, stupid fucking names. Uh, dude, <laughs> tell me about it. Um, he's cheap as fuck. So his journal that I actually picked up, which ended up kind of being useless for this whole script, it had a price next to every little transaction that he made throughout it. Oh God. Yeah, if he wrote something like, uh, you know, I went down, I went downtown to see a movie, he would write the movie ticket price in parentheses. The cab there was this, and like, like very strange. His Kept you tabs could, and all his finances and stuff like that. Well, the finances, yes, but it was weird how all the petty cash. Oh, like you know, when you take good care of your finances, if you take a few hundred dollars out of the bank account for spending money, you don't 
keep track of that. Yeah. You know, you just spending money five hundred dollars. That's loading. that's my budget. That's yeah, my yeah, fucking budget. Yeah, yeah. Every little thing. Wow. There there was a number next to it. How much it cost? I picked up a book to oh give to my, my friend Carl. There you go. A little money next to it. Two dollars. You know. Two juniors. Like kind of October fifth. Yeah. Oh yeah, it was all dated very well. Uh, the, the diary, just so you guys know. Uh, took place later in his life, so it wasn't really at this point. He didn't really talk about his lack of tipping in the diary. Mm. Um, he also made it a point that when he was in public, he was just the most boring person he could be. He wanted everyone to buy his vanity. He wanted to think. He wanted to like tell people that his his personality was on the canvas. That was his. That message. is so pretentious. That is yeah. pretentious as fuck. Cody, yeah. you calling me pretentious? That's what I try to do. <laughs> Every day. I show up, I'm like, guess what? I'm Garfield. Guess what? what I'm... I'm Charlie Brown. You're Linus today. Yeah. Why do okay. you keep calling me Linus? Because look at the shirt you're wearing. The stripe. Is he wearing the striped shirt again? You that last yeah. week. Linus wear a V-neck? I don't know. Did he? The adult Linus did. <laughs> All right. You old. mean Ziggy? It's all Linus is pretty fucking cool. Yeah. His personality when talking to the press was almost none. One word answers. Just nodding his head. He did lighten up in his later years, though. So if you're looking for an Andy Warhol interview worth watching, get one, like, post-70s. Because, my God, all the public shit that he did during the 60s was just obnoxiously boring. He also, like I said before, hated being touched. So if he did do an interview, he wouldn't shake the interviewer's hand. He would just kind of sit in a chair and nod. Like super awkward. He would sometimes just mock them back. Like if someone asked him a question, how's your day today, Andy? He'd be like, how's your day today, Andy? Oh, jeez. Yeah. Oh, my God. Ugh. It's a defense mechanism. Oh, that's a, that's an excuse. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, <laughs> he's just being a cock. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, another interesting thing about his like party personality is that he was kind of a cokehead for a while. He never had a serious drug problem. He had like a seventies coke thing going for him. Nothing crazy. Moderation. Everyone did a little bit of it. Doing coke, <laughs> doing coke a few times a week, getting hammered with the boys, He's whatever. So but whenever someone offered him coke, he claimed to have never tried it. Oh, you can't do that now. <laughs> no. And I think that was to get like More people coke. excited to give him coke. It was like, oh, I got Andy Warhol on uh, coke first time. <laughs> I mean, that's kind of come on. That's a yeah. good tactic. I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. It's my first time. How much? How much do I put in Is one this line? Too much? Yeah, how much do I put in one line? Is this enough? And it's like the size of a fucking Both ruler. Nostrils? <laughs> <laughs> Is the half a pound enough? <laughs> So shortly after his death and disaster works, he opened up the first of many what were known as the factory, which his, was his studio for Andy's paintings and a hub for speed freaks, dirty beat poets, failing musicians, junkies, and drag queens. Andy liked two types of people. He liked beauties and he liked talkers. He liked beauties because obviously he just liked good-looking people around him. And... um he liked the extreme personalities in people, people who would just talk his fucking ear off. I don't know why you would want to surround yourself with those people, but he liked, he was, he felt inspired being around essentially broken people. Right, that was like Valerie. Yeah. And they could entertain themselves. That's true. They could literally talk yeah. to themselves for yeah. hours. It seems like he was trying to give these people who were like crashing and burning a place to do it where it could be observed. 
Yeah, because he wasn't doing anything to help them. No, he never helped them. He was just watching them do that stuff. He made people think they were helping, that he was helping. But he really wanted to see people crash. Mm. Oh, he like, loved to see like people suffer and stuff, kind of, in like a weird way. Well, yeah, like people self-indulge, yeah, yeah, a little yeah. too mm, little too far and be like, so mm, we shouldn't have feel, done that. Yeah. Mm. Right, so, so again, I'm going back of... to like what you said. He is a meme. <laughs> <He's> That's like, <laughs> yeah. No, because like people go online now and they're like, fail compilation. Seven, <laughs> seven right? dads that hurt that. themselves while... <laughs> Mowing lawn. <laughs> like, you know, like, well, that that video before. That was pretty funny. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like, he's a meme. He's the internet before the internet pretty existed. Mu- yeah, he's curating wow. destructive behavior. Um, this is groundbreaking. We're, we're, yeah, we're talking about a guy who's highly looked upon in the art community as being revolutionaries in a way. And his inspiration was coming from people being in really horrible situations. This was the time during... Uh, you, you know, the 60s is the sexual liberation and stuff. During that time, I can guarantee you that there was so much sexual assault in this factory that he had. Oh, yeah. Oh, like, yeah. like I don't know if he would be guilty of it himself, but the people he would invite there, like, there was all kinds of shit. People get all fucked up. There's, like, like weird group orgies and shit that they have, like, people who are not in their right minds. Yeah, but you label it art, and it's like, okay. Yeah, exactly. You get oh, the yeah, pass. she didn't want to take seven dicks that night. It's art, though. Yeah, like... I don't want to do that tonight. My mind too. is a garden. Yeah, young young women trying to, like, work their way into the art world right. or, like, you know, his newfound Hollywood image would be certainly taken advantage of by his entourage. See, it's interesting. From the research I did with Valerie, mm-hmm. and you you brought up, basically, I think the picture you painted that he was a homo- homosexual man. He was a homosexual man. But from what I read... Mm-hmm. It painted him as an asexual. Yeah. So someone that, like, okay, he might have had boyfriends. I feel like he had a couple girlfriends. I don't think hmm. he had much of a sexual drive. Yeah. From, think from what I've like, gathered yeah. and, like, the couple documentaries I watched and, like, just reading a bit of his journal and shit like that, I don't think he was into it that much. He knew what he liked. His sexual activity was men, but he he wasn't, like, crazy about it. But he wanted to watch other people do crazy shit all the time. Okay, so he had yeah. these like or he had these orgies and shit at the fucking factory. Well, it was like he was the host, right? It's like he, you know, he's the multimillionaire and the house, uh, and um, he would make things available to right. anyone. He'd so like, if any one of his friends, any one of his famous friends, came by and they're just looking to get laid and like yeah. do some speed and find a place to crash, like he would facilitate. Yeah, they're probably all tweaking. Yeah, yeah, no, he's like, hey, you guys do whatever you want. I'm gonna go lick the walls. There's lead in there. Yeah, so <laughs> rock- delicious. Oh yeah, rock stars and celebrities. They would show up in Andy's lifestyle all the time because he's this Hollywood image. Um, even though he wasn't making films at this point yet, he was still like this big icon. Um, people like Rolling Stone, Salvador Dali, Debbie Harry, and the Velvet Underground. Oh, they're sick. Yeah. Well, not only did Andy do the artwork for their 1967 album, uh, he was actually their manager for a short time. Oh, yeah. Yeah, when it didn't really mean anything, you know. Who's our manager? Yeah, Andy right. Warhol. All right, we're doing fine. Just for now. fame, yeah. 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 Sick. Who's your manager? Travis Lee. Um, well, I guess you got a lot of meatballs. <laughs> <laughs> I, guess, I guess you're going to open that guitar case. It's going to be full of meatballs. Yeah. Right, my manager. <laughs> Play jokes on you all day. <laughs> Prank you. You're not playing the show. <laughs> Let's go get drunk. <laughs> we'll get into his films. He spent a lot of time making films, loads of them. He did over 15 feature lengths and shot at least 
an additional published 25 shorts. They were all terrible. None of them had any redeeming qualities. Poorly crafted waste of time. He used his broken outcasts of factory regulars as subjects. And these people ate it up. They do whatever they could to get Andy's attention. Violence, sex, drugs, just crazy fucking shit. Right. Valerie was in one of those. We watched that before the Valerie Mm -hmm. Selena's episode. Yep. The culture he created around these films was just toxic. Definitely for everyone involved. He would do all kinds of things. Prod his actors to do shit. Gropings, like take drugs, just rambling. It's, I I don't know, it's fucking weird. Like his films are just him taking advantage of people that he never paid. Yeah. Like a Harvey Weinstein situation. Kind of, yeah, but it was like that, but not sexual. Like, he got off on their destruction. Yeah. Hmm. Like, he wasn't like, suck my... He Mm. wasn't like, lick my balls. He'd be like... I wouldn't be surprised if he did, but I didn't find anything right off the bat. I'm saying people might have been licking balls on his cinemas, (laughs) just not on his cinemas. Yeah, my cinemas. (laughs) (laughs) Got it. Most of the film participants, like I said, never paid, and... We're kind of under the impression that being around Andy and being in one of his films would help their career or their social status in a way. It never did. Uh, he took advantage of a lot of really sick, starstruck people. Andy wasn't a serious drug taker himself, but he did do, like I said before, he was into coke for a little bit. Didn't last that long. Isn't everyone. He got into meth for a while. Well, that's but sick. it wasn't for Uh-oh. partying. It was be- to be up all night doing filming. Oh, so it was more of like a work aid for him. He That's what the Nazis the, did. The pragmatic meth head, and I like it. So, I'm going to talk about one example of a a star of one of his films. Edith Segwig, also Eddie, is how she was known. So, Eddie. Eddie was an American actress best known for being, in, being one of Andy's superstars. On her 21st birthday, Segwig received an $80,000 trust from her maternal grandmother and sought a new life in New York City and pursued modeling in March 1965, Sedwig met Andy Warhol at a party. He thought she had that star appeal because she was a hot little blonde and had a real pretty face. And she was starstruck. I think it's Edie. Edie Sedgwick. I've been saying that wrong. Excuse me. Tom, it's all right. I would say Ed Edis Scraxis. Thank you. Oh. Thank you for what you would be saying. <laughs> Edie. It's like all the things you said, all the things you said are running through my head. And I would just say Edis <laughs> <laughs> So either way, Edie is all starstruck, and um, she felt like working with Andy would be her ticket to moving up, maybe some Hollywood shit. They made several films together. She was known as the queen of the underground New York film scene. He still never paid her. She began an affair with Bob Dylan's right-hand man, Bobby Newworth. Uh, She told Bob Dylan about how shitty Warhol was being with uh, with, with her money situation, never helping out, and just being real fucking shitty. So this kind of started a, a rivalry between the Bob Dylan camp and the Andy Warhol people, mm. which uh, if if you guys care about, that's cool. But Bob Dylan, he's just an old guy. It's about to kick Andy's ass. Yeah, and he's still alive. Yeah, so, Robert, yeah. Robert Dylan. Robert Dylan would be like, I don't even do it. Yo, yo, no, 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 <laughs> so during her time at the right. factory, uh, Edie had picked up some nasty drug habits while working with Andy. This was most likely encouraged by Andy and this dude, Billy Name, who was like the manager of the factory, who brought in all the fucking weirdos. Because Andy didn't do the networking. 
Right. Billy, Billy Mays Billy, did it. Billy Mays. <laughs> Billy Mays here, and I got a tremendous amount of heroin for you. <laughs> Uh, yeah, she later she died a few years later after battling with heroin and all kinds of other bad stuff. Oh, was she like 28 or something? She was 28. Oh. Uh, this was the Yikes. culture that was propagated at the factory. It was extremely shitty. Yeah. And during this time where people were really vulnerable and trying to do something different with their lives in the 60s and being a weirdo was encouraged and cheered on, when... That doesn't really work for a lot of people, especially just for their addictions. Yeah, if yeah. you're stable and you don't, yeah. if you're if you're stay uh, if you're stable and you try drugs, you might be fine. But if you're not stable to begin with, and you're trying to make a career for yourself, and you get hooked on shit, you're fucking done. Well, and also, and this is the like, people yeah. that Andy brought in. It felt like if you were at the factory, they were just feeding you drugs yeah. too. Yeah. So it's like, oh, I'm addicted. Let me tap into this Easter money basket. Yeah, basically, like if you took all the blood out of it. It would be like that nightclub in Blade, and if you took all the techno out, you have to take that out too, and you got put on like Velvet Underground. That's basically what was happening. No I, vampires, just really yeah, questionable no, characters I, I, rubbing up against each other and doing a lot Yeah, but there right, was Tom. I'm glad you made that analogy because when you said the Blade techno scene, that is like that's my Valhalla, like pretty yeah. much. Like, that, so, that, that resonated with me as well. Like so, I, I'm glad you went deeper into that. Dude, Voodoo and Serato is, is sick. This is why you this is why you turn into Rose Morton because <laughs> we go deeper in the subjects. Exactly. So you have this 1960s version of the Blade <laughs> nightclub, and uh, Andy loved that shit. He never really wanted to be there when people actually crashed, though. When people were on their way out, and they he's a lot of the people who were at the factory and regulars, they're just they just died. Yeah, like few years after being there, like serious like, drug problems, they they were treated like these weird kind of celebrity jesters, given all the drugs they wanted, and then kicked out into the streets of New York City and died on a freezing night. Like, yeah. lots of people like this Ooh, that's coming fucked. out here. So you know, so he's like, well, that's like a weird CSI episode. Like some guy who's like, yeah, I'm gonna get all the homeless people. Yeah, give me that moment. He's like always hanging what? out under the bridge, technically in his house, right? Kind of, yeah. He's Which like, hey, what's these drugs? Are you watching, Travis? <laughs> Dude, I'm watching the one where uh, it was David Caruso, David Carradine. He's just like, yeah, <laughs> and like all of a sudden, okay, all of a sudden, he's like, and guess what? <laughs> Andy Warhol gave him all the heroin and kicked him out in the street. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean? So after kicking people out in the street and doing this for a while, the factory turned into more of a nightclub like Blade, and Andy Warhol gave up painting entirely to create the experience of being an art. So the factory was basically a club where people could feel like they were changing the world or something, but really weren't. Like you two. Mm-hmm. The locals, the regulars in the factory got tense after a while because it was like infighting. And like Andy would play favorites and people would try to just be on Andy's team all the time. And then he would just like talk shit about people. Come in a reality show. Kind of. Andy's house. Yeah. Wow. Hell yeah. <laughs> B- big shit face brother. Uh-huh. <laughs> the people were literally losing their minds due to the hard drugs. Overdoses were pretty common. The infighting between the regulars was normal. All the stable people in Andy's life stopped coming to the factory altogether. The artists that were still working for him felt used and resentful. 
Andy used these people for his projects, and most of them never saw a dime for it, even though his paintings and commissions were selling for exorbitant prices. Andy's people behind his back started calling him Drella, which was a mixture of Dracula and Cinderella. Mm. And the reason they called him this is because he had this Cinderella kind of growing up, where he was this helpless little kid growing up, and then when he gained all this power, he just took all of his friends and everyone who helped him and just sucked them dry. Sounds more like Pete Pan to me. <laughs> I'm saying it sounds like Pete Pan. He's, he's a Pete Pan. You guess, what, you, guess what, kids? You're not going to grow up, but Hook might get you. <laughs> <laughs> Watch out for Hook. <laughs> TikTok is a crocodile. It's Andy Warhol. Now, the factory as a club, uh, that was drawing to a, a quick end. Uh, the the second location, which was the big one where he painted it all silver and did all this crazy shit, uh, the lease was up. They moved into a different building. And when Andy, when Andy was uh, still kind of letting people into his life a bit and still doing the films, he let really the wrong person in. That was a woman named Valerie Solanus. Uh, Salampas. Which, if you, you pronounce it wrong, it's Salampas. Oh, uh, Salampas. Salandras. Salampas. Salandras. Like the, the Japanese topical ointment. Salampas. Ah. Uh, <laughs> Not <so>, sponsored. <laughs> <laughs> Go back to our, the last episode we published, the Valerie Salanus episode. Salampas. Salampas. Who cares? Um, <laughs> he basically, in short, Andy liked a script that she had given to her called Up Your Ass. He never read the whole thing. He just thought the name was really funny. And that kind of shows you how low the bar was hanging for the people he let in. Yeah. And and you know what? Male, male erogenous zone. Up Your Ass. Mm. She was featured in a steaming hot cesspool of a film called I, A Man. To Andy, she was just another loud mouth personality that she... That he thought would just disappear after a while. With a shitty Jersey accent. Yeah. Andy, what, I got a script called Up Your Ass. It's a, <laughs> it's a fantastic script. I think you should read it. And maybe we'll make a film. And then we'll go to we'll go to Coney Island. We'll get hot dogs later. Yeah. Well, uh, did you see the sun earlier? <laughs> uh, I think I lost your script. Uh. <laughs> but guess what, though? We can go to Wawa. You get two salamis on a roll. <laughs> Wawa ain't no joke. So good. I'm saying no. Right. I'm saying no, yo. (laughs) So also not sponsored. (laughs) Shut up, Cody. We are sponsored by my son. (laughs) My son has built a Wawa on in the in the North Pole. (laughs) So Valerie had given uh, up your ass to Warhol to produce it, and since he always had a hard time saying no, he kind of just put it off. Like, she she would approach him and be like, hey, uh, Andy, when are we going to make up your ass, the, the play on film or whatever it is? And he would go, well, I'm getting it to a Valerie. <laughs> so uh, Valerie, in her mania, she eventually figured it out that he wasn't going to make it. Or that he was going to make it and he was going to do away with her. Or she figured out that all men are the fucking worst and get rid of them. We've had enough. Cut them up. Yeah. Get rid of them. Chop them penises eighth. Yeah. Be a man. Chop your dick off. Come on, do it. I identify as a bag of sand. Dude. That will keep the waters away. Dude, I am a sand. I am one sand. (laughs) I'll be a a lazy boy. Good chair. So women can sit on you? Nice. Nice, dude, bro. 
Monster. Yeah, bro. Monster energy. Yeah, bro. Monster energy drink. Sit on him. Sit on Mike, ladies. Sit on Mike. No, the men are pretty cool, though. Second thought. You like farts? Just yeah. wondering. And, and change. <laughs> <laughs> so, be a good tattoo. Just, I'm just going to do a brief recap for, of the shooting. And she pulled out her uh, 32 Beretta from her trench coat, lined up a shot at Warhol, mm-hmm. who's like standing like 10 feet away, uh-huh. and then bang! I mean, she missed a motionless albino person just standing there on the front. Oh no, Valerie, don't, no! She fired a second shot. Missed. (laughs) Over two. Stop it. Come on. Close the windows. (laughs) And then then Andy uh, took cover under his desk, so Valerie walked up, uh, stood point blank carrying, standing over carrying Andy Warhol, and fired. The bullet went through his lungs and abdomen. Uh, it was one bullet, but it caused massive damage. There's a town of lies on me. Can shoot back to the previous episode. And this is what happens when Eddie Warhol gets shot in his dick. Awesome. So Warhol was taken to Columbus Mother Cabrini Hospital, where he underwent a successful five-hour operation. Was kind of successful. Though it was successful because he lived. He lives. He spent months recovering at home. I'm sorry, what was that? I said, I am the subject now. (laughs) (laughs) He spent months recovering at home, but eventually he wore being shot like a badge of honor. Like 50 Cent did. Street cred. Wait, are you saying Andy Warhol's 50 uh, Cent? He is 50 Cent. But didn't he also have to wear like a girdle? Kind of. (laughs) But so did Frida Kahlo. Really? Well, but like, but 50 Cent didn't. Yeah. He was shot 50 times. But he was into it because Andy didn't even like being touched anyway. <laughs> it was part of his new art narrative. I'm fragile. <laughs> Please. Wait, hold on. Frida Kahlo was shot? She wasn't, no, she was in a, a bus accident, I think. And she wore these casts for the rest of her life around her torso. Really? But what yeah. happened? Did she wear a cast on her f- face? Eyes? Untouched. Gorgeous. Okay, yeah, okay, that one eyebrow, that's gorgeous. Yeah, that, yeah. that's good stuff. Stunning. So, after he had left the hospital and, and was somewhat recovered, he was told that on the operating table that his life functions had totally ceased. Mm. He came back to life. So he loved telling this little antidote to people. Uh, this certainly didn't help with his like weird go- god complex like that he had going on. Um, he took a while, but he got back into his painting and was re-inspired. You know, because sometimes you just got to shoot yourself through the torso to really get a point across. He's seen the yeah, other side. Who else was like that? L. Oh. Ron Hubbard was like that when he had the cranial operation, which was actually just a <laughs> tooth being pulled. Oh, dude. Spot on. And he it's came a- back. Cody, like, you know. Oh, my God. Yeah. Cody, you know what? It It's a rare condition this day and age. <laughs> See any good news <laughs> on the newspaper page. Go by. It's a different love if you Andy Warhol's guts. Do you get tired from being that loud, Travis? It's like a lot of energy. (laughs) I never get tired. So Andy gets back to business. He kind of stops doing the film thing as much, and he returns to his paintings. Uh, He also adopts what was his earlier career, and he gets a little more commercial. He began doing more work for clients as well. 
What time period are we in right now? Right now, we're in the nineteen, the beginning of the nineteen seventies, nineteen seventy or so. Okay, All okay. Right. After he got shot. After he got shot. So he's he's, he's shot two- in sixty eight. So by he's the way, if I if I missed that. Yeah. So he's been Tupac'd, mm-hmm. and now he's tired of getting shot at. Mm-hmm. Tired of being chased by the police and getting arrested. Yeah. And he world needs a place where he can chill. Mm-hmm. Place where he can like chill. So yeah. he's. Yeah, he he's he's done with this whole like sixties behavior of shit of free life, and even though he was making a lot of money then, he wanted to make a lot more money now. Um, he used the value of the narrow narrative with his shooting and was able to market his work even more so than before. This made his artwork sell like fucking crazy, and he became an institution. Upon upon uh, his painting career revamped, the first piece he did was that giant Mao Zedong portrait which was uh just fucking giant it's a screen print of that famous Mao Zedong photo that all those Chinese kids had to look at for all those years and he blew it up and did his Andy Warhol thing and did a multiple prints of it and crazy shit it's uh you know it's cool looking artwork is it worth millions absolutely not but it's pretty neat um he also started doing portrait portraits for commissions so rich idiots would come and they'd be like hey I want to do it and he'd be like, that's kind of like when Wu-Tang made that one record album and then Martin Storelli bought it. Yeah, Hero of Our Time. Oh. <laughs> uh, I forgot entirely about that until just now. Did they release that ever? Did they, nope. When he went to jail? It's still in holding somewhere. I don't think he owns it anymore. I think oh. he had to give it up because of some... He had to use it to pay bills and shit. Jeez. It's worth millions. Um, so... He starts his commission portrait artist stuff in 1974, which is essentially, hey, come over. I'll take a picture of you in my studio. I'll send that picture to a factory to get a silk screen made. I'll have my assistant put it on a canvas. I'll sign it, and you can give me 25K. And this took place oh. all throughout the 70s and 80s. Ah, What a good way to make money. It's a lot of money to throw around. Kind of. I feel like he's counterfeiting his own work somehow. Me too. Like, yeah, but it's it's, it's a strange thing. In especially in like the high fashion industry, like you get a name, you're not, you come up with the designs. You're not doing everything. You're like you put your you put your name on everything. Yeah, of course. He's he's essentially a Beats by Dre. Okay. But not customizable. I mean, look at Louis Vuitton. He has been dead for so long. And people wear, uh, people have those bags that says Louis Vuitton on it, but he has been so dead. <laughs> so dead. Well, no yeah, Andy wanted Warhol. to be like a household name. Yeah, and then Andy Warhol's like, guess what? I have things that yes. I will give to you. I am things. <laughs> well, didn't he use his paintings to like pay for shit? Um, he did some forms of charity and helping other art students, but also... You don't think he, like, bartered with people? I read that somewhere. Um, he could have. I, I don't actually know the finance part of that. Okay. But I could see I could see that happening. I mean, it's like essentially worse Like a delivery boy comes, time. and he's like, oh, shit, I don't have cash on me. Like I know Salvador Dali did that, and so did Picasso. Mm. When, they, uh, yeah. when they went out to restaurants, uh, when they got their bills, they would just doodle on it. And be like, and not pay the ins. bill, and the waitresses and waiters would be more than glad to take that bill mm. because it was worth well, a lot yeah. more in, in many years. As long as they didn't fucking sell it right away. 
They could have held on to it. It's an investment. Yeah. It's investments, yeah. yeah. Um, Travis. Just don't use it as a cum rag. <laughs> Never. What was it? You were talking about before. So he's back into the commercial art world. Apple. Can okay. you talk about that for a second? So I think it was in 84, uh, Stephen Jobs. Wow. Cody, you know about this boy. I think you, I do. You know about Stephen. So Stephen came up to Andy Warhol with his stupid wig. And now it, now the wig is not like flipped back in a cool style. It's just all in his face. The wig was never cool, ever. Yeah, but no, but like now, you know, he, the used mushroom to, cut. he used to have it kind of flipped back. But now it's just, it, he just like all bangs. Yeah, bangs for days, dude. Yeah. My, my life is hot. Just if you're going to wear a wig, it's your chance to do it right. Yeah. So do it right. Yeah, make it look cool. But he wasn't making it look cool. And then uh, Stephen Jobs was like, excuse me. Um, would you like to... Excuse me with your stupid head. Why did head. you break so hard for that, Mike? Excuse me. Uh, with your dumb head, would you like to design uh, artwork on the Apple computer? On the Apple Macintosh computer? And guess what? Any world was like, mm, yeah, I could do that. So there's like all these ad campaigns of him... Like making stupid art. It's basically like uh, if you give like Photoshop to your nephew, and you're like, "Guess what? Check this out." How you old could, is your nephew? Your nephew's like a child. All right, like a young boy. <laughs> and you're like, "Hey, guess what, young boy? Check out all these. <laughs> check out all these filters you can do on Photoshop." And he's like, "Oh hell yeah! I'm gonna use uh, negative." <laughs> negative makes it look sick. Yo, yeah. And then he's like. I guess what? Like, I'm going to use N-square. Oh. I'm going to fucking duplicate it. Damn. That's what Andy Warhol was doing. He was like, I guess, hey, that's cool. It's the first time someone's used negative on computes. Yeah. But, you know, it's still dumb. <laughs> so, yeah, Andy Warhol was a uh, a big Mac seller. Yes. Big on the commercial Mac He basically shit. made Macintosh. Yeah, he made that's Macintosh cool. the artist computer yeah which still somehow happens today even though most people with macs just make you know nothing i use my computer to go into incognito mode have you guys heard of this <laughs> uh, i believe no, that we once referenced incognito mode in this episode yeah. talking about your lexington steel apartment <laughs> okay well okay well i'm gonna tell you i'm gonna tell you if you have a macintosh computer use incognito mode and then go to uh, Pornhub.com. <laughs> that's, that's your best thing you can do with your Mac computer. We should upload roast mortem episodes to Pornhub. Oh my so God! Yes, we should. Yeah. So what are you gonna ma- meta tag it with though? Uh, hot and hard. Yeah, came to cream. Dr- drunk go. three, three drunk men and one drunk intern do stuff <laughs> <laughs> with guests. Yeah, guests, involved. lovely guests. Um, so all right, so he's doing so, stupid. So Mac he's doing that. Things. Basically, his life turned into he was a celebrity. His, he was the name and all that shit. So we're just gonna gloss all over that. All, we're gonna gloss all over it. No, we're gonna gloss over that uh, because it's not really that important. Because he had already made a name for himself. And like I said before, most of the really memorable works that he did were done in the early 60s anyway. He basically just wanked off for the next 20-something years. He's washed up. Doing stupid fucking films. Um, he was just trying shit. Uh, lazy, really. Yeah. Ra- lazy trying st- stuff. You know, like... Uh, 
He was a good artist, but he he actually claimed in public whenever someone asked him if they knew how, he knew how Drew, he totally denied it. Dude, but all right, oh, I, I feel like there's I feel like there's a bigger thing going on. What right now? What what could be bigger than this? I'm just saying, is it okay to sell out? Because I feel like that's what he did. He sold out. Yeah, look, dude, I I, I don't huh. know. It's like I don't like I don't fucking know. Well, I'm just saying. It's, it's a debate-worthy thing. I hate modern art. I hate pop art. I hate fucking abstract expressionism. I have a ho- I have a problem with these kind of artists because they just throw away any kind of value and just make it a whole shit show. But selling out's a whole different thing. Fucking Da Vinci sold out. Yeah, but, but he was like, a fucking master. I feel know? like Andy Warhol sold out. And I'm just saying, as a podcast, if we were ever approached by MGM... Uh, Studios or Nickelodeon Studios live action movie, yeah. Or would we do a Rugrats? Or Harvey Weinstein came down. He's like, look at my penis. (laughs) So if any of those things happened, I'd be like, guess what? We're syndicating, and we're gonna do the story of eggs. And guess what? Um, an egg could have been a duck, but it's not. Roast Mortem. Roast Mortem's done. We have a different theme song that Hans Zimmer would do. (laughs) Yeah, well. Yeah, I mean, if we have the opportunity to sell out, then let's do it. Um, I'm not knocking the selling out. What uh, What I have said this whole time, I sound like a fucking idiot right now. I know this. This is my, my weak points. You see it in me. You see my eyes tear up with fury. You see my distaste for art. I can't see your eyes because it's just steam. Yeah. <laughs> you, ever, you ever see that movie with the steamy man eyes? That yeah. was me. Yeah. Yeah. Where'd your eyes go? Don't even have any. Uh... Thanks. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So someone asked me questions. Uh, who'd he do when he died? When he touched the thing and then look at this photograph. Of Tom, Andy how did you die? All right. Thanks, Andy. Cody. <laughs> Thank you, Cody. Andy was feeling something up in his gut. He was like, oh, that's kind of fucked up. But he also didn't like hospitals anymore. He felt like if he mm. went back into one, he would die. So it turns out his gallbladder was shot. It was making fun of him from in his gut. So oh, no. <laughs> he didn't want to go to the hospital, but after a few days of excruciating pain, he ended up going to the hospital because his family's like, yo, dude, you're rolling around the floor not making art. Or maybe you are. <laughs> <laughs> you might be on to something. <laughs> So he went to the hospital to get it removed, the New York hospital, and he died of complications due to his gallbladder surgery, February 22nd, 1987. He was age 56. Could that have been because he was shot through his belly? Well, yeah. That that had a lot of things to go on. His friends and family believed that his death was due to negligence and sued the hospital. The family settled the case out of court for an undisclosed amount. Uh, later years on, um, we find out that it was not due to any of the hospital's negligence at all. They were being extremely careful. I'm sorry. Please <laughs> rubbing, rubbing his chest. Fuck you, intern. Yeah. I'm sorry. So he's basically what happened was is that it because gallbladder surgeries seem to be pretty routine. They were like, "How did he die?" But you know, his organs got all mashed up, and he had also let the problem get really oh, bad. Fuck. So it, the hospital really didn't do anything wrong. He was in a really bad situation, and uh, he basically kind of killed himself because he didn't go to the hospital right away. Oh, he was like Spaghetti Boy, pretty much. Pretty much he waited too long. So, just a couple other things I want to throw in here. Andy Warhol was a hoarder. 
Oh, you guys fun. know this? You guys like hoarders? I love hoarders. Dude, one of my favorite hoarders. things when I saw this woman, and she was like, "I got seven cats," and then she was like, "I also have seven things I could feed them." <laughs> <laughs> like five of them are ants. <laughs> what the fuck? And then another two of them are probably food. Oh, interesting. <laughs> so his friends referred to his numerous collections, uh, which kind of filled up his four-story townhouse and also a nearby storage unit, and they just called it Andy's Stuff. And there was a lot of interesting stuff in oh, there. Such but weird shit. Oh, it was such weird shit. The true extent of the collection was not discovered until way after his death, uh, when the Andy Warhol Museum in Pittsburgh picked up 641 boxes of stuff. Uh, <laughs> the collection included Coca-Cola memorabilia signs, 19th century paintings, airplane menus, unpaid invoices, pizza one. dough, uh, pornographic pulp fiction novels, Newspapers, stamps, supermarket flyers, cookie jars, and more crazy shit that crazy people collect. One of his main collections, though, was his wigs. He got all them wigs. Ooh. Shit tons of wigs. Nice. Uh, Andy owned more than 40 custom-made wigs, and he was very protective of his hair pieces, which were sewn by a fancy New York wig maker from imported hair from Italy. In fact, the fact that he even referred to them as hair pieces just... Let's you know how pretentious that is. Oh, yeah, it's bad. Oh, uh, hair Wigs. suit. One note from the journal that I want to point out. In 1985, uh, a girl snatched Andy Warhol's wig off his head. In uh, the diary that he wrote, he said, I don't know what stopped me from pushing her off that balcony. I mean, his scrawny <laughs> arms, for one. Mom, Too many witnesses. Another item found in Warhol's box at the museum when they were unpacking it was a mummified human foot from ancient Egypt. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. Did he okay. have Spider-Man's foot in there? A probably collector. smelled like shit, though. Well, it's mummified, so it oh. probably just smelled like an old book. Yeah, probably. Ooh, nice tough leather book. Ugh. And with that... Hell yeah. That's it for Andy on our end. Wow. Oh, You covered a lot, Tom. Yeah. I'm tired. I'm really tired. Thanks for staying up late, everyone. Oh, no, it's fine. I learned so much about Eddie's world. It's 7.45 for me. Jeez, man. I always just thought he was like, <laughs> hey, I'm a tomato boy. Here's my soup that I like. I don't even know if he likes soup. It was interesting to find out that he could draw before like the pop art thing. I never knew he had like a structured art history, kind of. Me yeah. too. Yeah, he was fantastic. And, yeah. uh, yeah, the sketches are dope. Did you I, know it's, that um, Andy Warhol, the psychotic fuckwad he is, always wore green? Really? Wait, what? Uh, what are you just codicizing it? Was, it? I saw no, lots it was of relegated. Of it was relegated to his underwear, but this man always wore green. Like, like who does that for fuck's sake? Yeah, but I've seen Ha-ha. pictures of him in like leather. Yeah, but it's only his underwear. He's, he's saying. His underwear is green. Oh, so his penis is it's always green. For green. Lucky. It's green for warning. Look, this is toxic. <laughs> a toxic, toxic penis. Spoken like a true colorblind person, Travis. Andy was a top-notch dick. Yeah. I honestly do like his work. I don't think it should be valued as high as it is, but I like his vision. I don't know. What? I, My, Emily, can I, I, yeah, what you've been quite appreciated, but at the same time, like... One of his themes was, like, art doesn't need to be exalted. And then he would turn around and ask for his art to be exalted. And it's just yeah, like, yeah, for sure. 
Well, that's that's play stuff. Emily, what's your take on this? I mean, he is one of the first people that are interesting to well, who is interesting, sorry, to people who don't understand art at all and people who are just getting into art. It's like one of the first artists you learn about. So, I mean, his work is super important, but he's kind of a shady character. Yeah. And I think we we forget that a lot with visual artists because the personality isn't so attached to the product like it is in like other medias. I don't know. Right. Like, like we don't know if uh, was it Leonardo DiCaprio da Vinci had a. He, we don't know. We don't know if he had a fucking factory where he's feeding people cocaine. Yeah. He might have. Well, I think I think art is very difficult to to need to know who did it. I don't know how to explain it. I feel like it's less forthright. With it's all about the name. Yeah. You yeah. Can hide. Oh, yeah, yeah. I don't know. Right. I'm, just be glad that people are still making Marvel movies today. Yeah. I mean, real and, that's and, real art. I mean, and I saw Endgame wow. like on Tuesday. Oh, yeah? Oh, you want to spoil it for all our viewers? No, they're going to do that. Dude, no, it was sick. Imagine when, like, Andy Warhol was like, guess what? Tomato soup does not exist. Thanos. <laughs> power glove? I thanos it. All right, you thanos it. the power glove? <laughs> yeah, I power gloved it. Beautiful. All right, so this is Andy Warhol. I'm not sorry. This is what you have to deal with. You pick on... You pick You're up bulging someone. tonight. Tom. Oh, I'm just bulging like always. My beat poets hate him. Hate him. <laughs> a pop artist hate him Tom you have those nooks and crannies you're like Thomas's childs I just hope everyone had fun and learned something because Hell I'm yeah. not apologizing oh well you know we don't need to apologize around here because we're not jocks that didn't apologize <laughs> and also <laughs> alcohol yeah true yeah cheers to that cheers okay let's sign out oh, no. all the pickles everybody dance now and nine-year-old Andy fucking lose it to that song. Yeah. <laughs> Shake those fucking bones. Well done. Oh, All right, shit. cool. All right, thanks for listening to the Roast Mortem Podcast. We got the Roast Mortem cast on Instagram. We got it on Twitter. We got our Facebook. Shoot us a Gmail, Podcast at gmail.com. And we also got the Patreon. Patreon.com slash Cast. Give us your money and I'll whisper you more things about Andal while you're sleeping. I'll I'll make, draw you a soup. That's not even a goal, <laughs> but I'll draw you a soup. Yeah, we'll, we'll, wow. we'll bend the goals. Yeah. Just write us in. We'll see what we'll, we'll, we'll want, You want someone to tattoo your face on our face? We'll think about it. Yeah, guess what? <laughs> you ever seen a clam chowder uh, on, a, on a man? <laughs> I will. No. I will, I will staple 32 varieties of Campbell's tomato soup. No, clam chowder, dude. Clam I'm, chowder. Not, I'm, I'm, I'm a respectable gentleman. To Travis's anus. <laughs> For six dollars a month. <laughs> yeah, dude. Now that's pop art. Right? right? We are pop art. Alright, you can find me at Sanch S-A-U-N-T-C-H-T on Twitter. You can find me at Travis Legion with two E's or oh, I could be an ant boy, I could be a child clown. Be seven different things at once. Someone else tell the story of I am Cody McCann. <laughs> I am Cody McCann on the Twitter at Cody McCann, C O D Y M W C A N. 
Uh, you can follow me at Mike Regan with two N's. Mike Regan! <laughs> anyway, I where am, can we find you? I am Krusty Lulz. Krusty with a I L U L S 420. Thank you so much for staying up late with us. I'm so tired. Yeah, we were recording really late tonight, so thank you for trooping. Speak for yourselves. Speak for yourselves. Yeah, whatever. Have fun on a volcano. Go get tan. One, two, three, four. Get your buddy on the floor. Everybody get up and get down. Everybody get up and get down. One, two, three, four. Get your buddy on the floor. I'm going to